The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Rumors spread around in that Texas town. About to check outside the game. You know what I'm talking about. Just let me know if you're gonna go to that whole mile on the range. They got a lot of nice girls. Maxi, we're potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good because that link you sent me looked like it was recorded via potato. Via potato? Yeah, you did mention that. Yeah, that popped me when you sent me that saying it looked like it was recorded via potato, yeah. But that's kind of the beauty of it, mate. It's rough around the edges, you know? Well, we'll get to it and my thoughts on, on that whole facade. Facade? Okay. Okay, no worries. No worries. Uh, you went back on your holiday after last week's show, mate, didn't you? Uh, straight away, yeah. Another yeah, it was four, right, hour, it? four hour drive across the country. Yeah, to, four hours? To get back. Yeah. So, what time did you arrive back? Uh, just uh, about half past 12, uh, nearly, uh, okay. nearly one o'clock. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we went early last week, didn't we? Oh, my God. Good job I reminded you that we were going early in the first place. Oh, we're early next week, sir. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I don't sound like that. You absolutely <laughs> do sound like that. I, I bloody went and forgot, didn't I? <laughs> my wife says I've got a podcasting voice, that when I'm doing a show, my voice is different to how I talk at home. Yeah, so, I, I noticed that with my own voice, that I sound yeah. different on a podcast. I'd, you must be like deep, dark, like rural Gloucester accent then when you're I must podcasting. be like proper Gloucester. Yeah. Shall so, I put kettle on? See, see you all <laughs> next week, folks. Uh, thanks for, for watching. Bloody hell, Sharon, that was a right good podcast this week. <laughs> <laughs> See, and whenever I do a Burnley accent or mock your way of speaking... You sound like you've had a stroke. Yeah. When you're going, oh. my wife, nah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those are always my go-to words. Life, wife, knife. Because I can't do any other words. <laughs> I can barely do them. <laughs> well, maybe you should start practising. I mean, this is a fun intro. Mocking each other's accents. Yeah, well, if we don't do two it, minutes. If we don't do it, some of our buggers going to mate. <laughs> I mean, they do anyway. <laughs> Yes, this is true. This is true. Anyway, anyway, anyway. I've gone to Austin, but at least you don't want to be here. This ain't no horse we hold. It's a horse we misery. We knew where we got here. They try to pull us away, but when 
Good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening or watching from. This is Chain Wrestling Live with Mags and Sai, an SJP World Media production. Episode 95, I think, if I'm counting this correctly. I am Sai, and with me, as always, is the world class to my big fat ass. The three birds to my slurred words. Happens quite often. A podcaster who likes to use the freebird rule himself whenever he's taken on three guys at once. The podfather, Mr. Mags. How are we doing, sir? It's it's always good to have three three guys. I mean, you could tag in whilst you go and have a, a break and a brew. That's what I mean. Take over at the best bits, I suppose. <laughs> he's like, get the hot tag, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the quick three-second finish. Um... <laughs> I take the pin and the plaudits while yeah. someone else carries the team. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Uh, who have we got in the chat early doors then, Magsy? Well, we have got Connor first, first, first in the chat. Hello, sir. Hello, How Connor. are you? Uh, and then young Charlie, amazing Mrs. P, the better half of, uh, of your good self. Indeed. Facebook user who is saying, hello, gentlemen. Not both of us, only to one of us. So, who is who is the gentleman? Well, mm. this is we'll have to probably work that out between us. It's, it's clearly me, <laughs> obviously, um, obviously. Anya, hello, stranger. Hi, thanks for thanks for turning up. Saying these intros are better than anything else, but it's the <laughs> best part of the show. It's all downhill from here. Yeah, yeah, and it starts quite low. To be fair, so it's not downhill far because it's almost there at the beginning. And Connor, three guys at once and a three-second finish. Sad that my mind went automatically went there. Well, Connor, that's on you. I mean, mm. you need Jesus, sir. Sorry. If you pick up any kind of double entendres or kind of you know extra meanings to these intros that I put together, it's completely on your dirty minds. I'm talking yeah. literally from a wrestling standpoint. That's all I ever mean. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, Connor, get your mind out the gutter and into the game, sir. And just as we were wrapping up there, uh, King uh, King Pig's Bladders is in. Evening, ladies. Uh, well, hello. hello. Funnily enough, pre-recorded, I was actually talking about uh, I'm a lady, seeing as I'm the lady potato in this picture. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, we look good as potatoes, mate. I mean, I didn't need the feet or the, the plastic hands. I look like a potato anyway. <laughs> apparently facebook user saying hello gentlemen is our good friend tyler peters saying hello so hi tyler. uh one half of the amazing back when podcast with our buddy scottish danny and that's once a month at the moment and this month because it's halloween because it's october they're covering back when the movie halloween was released the original so i'm really looking forward to them to listen uh talking about that one magsy which is also kind of a Interesting because uh, Scottish Danny is the reigning, defending, undisputed chain wrestling Halloween champion. Oh yes, indeed. Which is coming up. So get your get your costumes and your pictures ready, people. Yes, and while you mentioned that, Magsy, we may as well give a bit more details about that. Uh, our Halloween special. I don't think we're going to be live actually on Halloween night, are we? Because we've got a few other things planned, which we're not going to go into right now. We, we are going live on the Sunday 
on the, the Sunday. Day before, uh, yes. day before Halloween. Yeah. Yes. And part of that, as always, well, I say as always, we've only ever done one ever, but on our last one <laughs> uh, was obviously the fancy dress competition. Magsy and I will be dressing up, even though we can't win. But people send in their pictures of yourselves in your fancy dress, in your Halloween costumes, and the brilliant people who do our merchandise for the SJP World Media Network have said that they will donate a prize of the winners choosing T-shirt-wise to whoever we decide or whoever gets decided on the night as being this year's Halloween champion. So there you go. Something to think about there. You get to pick pretty much any T-shirt you want from the SJP World Media merch site for nothing and get it shipped out straight to you. And Scottish Danny in the chat as well. Uh, and Dan Griffin, uh, who also says he was looking for chain wrestling, but this appears to be cane wrestling. Are you able to change it? Yes, that is true. I did. I have just noticed that I missed out the H. Uh, but you, oh, yeah. I don't think you could change it live, but I think you could change it post event. But you, you've found it anyway. So, yeah, yeah the oh. matter does it. Does it? Oh, this is cane wrestling live episode one. There we go. There you go. There you go. I'd see that shows how professional I am. I didn't even know. <laughs> didn't even check. <laughs> I was just sat here going, oh, it's only five minutes till we go live. Where's Magsy? I know how he feels every week now. Oh, I mean, the shoe <laughs> is on the other foot, sir. The shoe is on the other foot. Indeed. Indeed. Magsy, so then, I suppose, you know, we've covered pretty much what, what we've done this week, haven't we? Oh, no. No, we haven't. Because you didn't ask me how my week was, you selfish bastard. Because I didn't, I didn't really care. That's why. No. How was your week, sir? Oh, I don't want to tell you. No, bollocks. <laughs> no, I bet you've had a, an amazing week. I mean, you didn't even really ask me about what happened on my holiday. I mean, I asked but, about your holiday. It's up to you then to you know develop what you want to discuss. Come on. Okay. Tell so, us what happened on the rest of your holiday. Did you burn so yourself you, again? No. Oh, that's a shame. But it, the the burns did scab over, and and there will be scars, which is fun. Uh, but no, yeah, it was a quite a relaxing holiday. Uh, but I did on the last day uh, injure my neck. Uh, oh my god! Which meant I was almost crippled for about two days, and then I got a cold again. So that's fun. Yeah. So what is wrong? What with a you? great. You're just a calamity at the moment. But the good thing is, though, that um, after that holiday, and I'm, I'm I'm so beat up and knackered. I need another holiday, so I'll be having mm. one another one soon. <laughs> dear me, dear me. I don't think you should go away. You're obviously you know, at, at higher risk. Or, <laughs> yeah, away from yeah. That's why they won't <laughs> let me fly. I'm at risk of burns. <laughs> just running up and down the plane with like four or five cups of coffee, chucking it all over people. <laughs> <laughs> no, not over, no one else got burnt. No one else was injured in this. It was just me. So mm. it'd be me going down the the aisle and people throwing their red hot coffee all over me. Yeah. Ah, oh, Sharon's asking a question there in the chat magazine. Why are we the wrong way around? We made that. We made a decision. Literally, we did <laughs> aesthetics. <seconds. laughs> aesthetics. In fact, I'll, I'll show you why. So we switched over like that, and can you see how I look like a potato that's halfway across and then sort of sat but if we switch them we're pretty we're much central we're and i get to be the lady oh, potato yeah, we're in line with our potatoes mate aren't yeah, we? exactly we and form you a felt, full spell. you felt you felt wrong being a feminine potato didn't you so you wanted no, to be I'm, okay. 
I'm, I'm comfortable to, to be the Maris Papa of the potato <laughs> one. I'm, I'm comfortable with my masculinity that I'm okay pretending to be <laughs> a lady potato. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is a wrestling podcast. You sit on a throne of lies. We've not yes. even touched wrestling yet. No, no. I suppose we should, though, Magsy. I suppose we should. We should dive yeah, in. And, this uh, has been fun. Ten minutes of uh, talking absolute God's wallop. Well, isn't that normal way anyway? It doesn't matter when we try and talk wrestling, we talk nonsense. I mean, wait till the end when we watch 10 minutes of a codswallop of a match, but... Bollocks, don't start with that. Oh, this is going to be an interesting chat, isn't it? I can see it now. You're not going to be... I think this may... We may not make it to 100 episodes. No? No. Okay. All right, well, we'll get to that bit. The match was shit. It was not. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. We'll get to it. You're just, you know, salty because your choice didn't win. You got you got spoilt in recent weeks winning all these polls, and now I finally win one, and you're like, I'm throwing the toys out the crap, mate. I got a little paddy. <laughs> it may well be that. Yeah. I, I mean, I watched Southport anyway. Just did you with a, with a tear rolling down one eye. Uh, <laughs> Like, like bullseye, look at what you could have won. <laughs> it's a speedboat, but I live in yeah, Birmingham. Take it back, lads. <laughs> <laughs> You're going away with your £31 and a match from 1784. <laughs> it wasn't that old, bloody hell. We can't just keep covering all modern day shit, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's hope my pick this week changes that. Okay, fair enough, mate, fair enough. Uh, speaking of picks, Magsy, we need to pick something to dispose of into the Chain Wrestling Hall of Lame to hopefully never be seen or spoken about again, my friend. Let's do it. The Hall of Lame indeed, lame indeed. Magsy, what you got for us, mate? Okay, so for my entry this week, I want to go to uh, July of 1984. Right. And I'm world class. <laughs> yeah, I want to put the Bad Street match into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> no, 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 I don't really. Um, uh, if anybody who has ever listened to, to a podcast of mine uh, will know that outside of wrestling, one of my other big passions is MMA. Uh we used to do a weekly podcast, uh, the Five Rounds podcast, where we used to mm-hmm. cover uh, UFC. So, naturally, when MMA and wrestling cross, it piques my interest. Um, so, for instance, like currently we've got the likes of Matt Riddle. Uh, we've had uh, like Ken Shamrock, Brock Lesnar has crossed over, Ken Velasquez, all that kind of stuff really piques my attention. Even the news recently that Daniel Cormier is going to be a, a referee at uh, Extreme Rules. Um, so, the, the kind of recent influx of uh, MMA stars into, into wrestling uh, for me, has been a win. But it wasn't always like this. When uh, when uh, the WWF tried to um, tried to go into more um, MMA based uh, based wrestling, it didn't always work. And one case in point was uh, 1998. Um, there was a, a tournament, uh, reality based called Brawl for All. Oh, um, dear. So 
everybody who is a wrestling fan will know uh, about the Brawl for All. Um, so essentially it was uh, an unscripted uh, tournament to see who was the toughest uh, wrestler in the company. Now, um, there is conflicting reports on why it was uh, why it was put in place. The main um, the main theme is that that Jr. was angling to bring uh, Doctor Death Steve Williams into the company, um, and he was told time and time again, "We creative have nothing for him. We don't uh, we don't have anything to bring in in for him." Uh, and apparently, Vince Russo had pitched a tournament. Um, but he hadn't pitched a tournament for um, Steve Williams. He'd actually pitched a tournament because he was getting sick and tired of uh, Bradshaw going around the locker room saying that he was the toughest wrestler in the company, that if there was a, a pub brawl, he'd be the only one that stood uh, stood out um, uh, and, uh, and won. So Vince uh, put forward this tournament, uh, and JR saw this as the, the perfect kind of a landing platform for uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, to come into the company and then build to um, a WrestleMania match with Stone Cold Steve Austin, who was one of the hottest wrestlers at the time. Um, a few issues with that is um, when something is live and unscripted, anything can go wrong. And in this tournament, everything went wrong. Um, there was a very convoluted uh, point system which uh, awarded points for uh, knockdowns and takedowns, which could be um, exploited to to win matches that perhaps you sh- shouldn't have won. Um, Tiger Ali Singh was uh, apparently meant to be in the tournament and was talking a lot of shit. Uh, in the locker room saying that he's going to beat everyone up, but then chickened out. Um, Ken Shamrock was uh, was asked to be in the tournament. Uh, he turned it down saying that he felt it was unfair uh, to the other fighters, even though he was offered way more than the, than the, the, the prize money that was, uh, was put up for the, for the tournament. Um, so we ended up with 16 uh, mid-card wrestlers in the tournament. We had two Cold Scorpio, Dan the Beast 7, 8-Ball, Godfather, Mark Miro, Henry Godwin, Savio Vega, Bracus. I mean, wow, Bracus in there. <laughs> Draws, Bob Holler, uh, Quebec Pierre, Steve motherfucking Blackman, um, Bradshaw, Hawk, uh, Bart Gunn and Dr. Death, Steve Williams. So let's go through some of the highlights. First round, uh, Dan Seven actually quit the tournament after the first round. He beat uh, Godfather uh, on, on points. Um, he he claims it was because he uh, he had nothing to prove uh, and that um, it was unfair on the rest of the fighters. And also, he was very frustrated having to wear boxing gloves when his his uh, his skill was in wrestling and, and in uh, actual uh, uh, ultimate fighting. Mm-hmm. So, after he uh, he uh, resigned from the tournament, Godfather, who lost that fight, got uh, took his spot, which was a running theme in this in this. Whenever people couldn't take their spot, the person they just beat 
just got a, a bat to the next to- next round, which is weird. Um, Steve Blackman, um, he um, he beat Mark Miro in the first round. Mark Miro, the the Golden Gloves boxing yeah. two time champion. Uh, he was beat by being taken down time and time again. And uh, according to Bob Holly uh, in his book, Steve Blackman was actually really excited about this tournament because he wanted to go out and injure a lot of people. And if he would have uh, been fit all the way through the tournament, he would have likely won this tournament because he was an absolute killing machine. But in training uh, for the second round, he he picked up an injury, which meant that the loser, Mark Miro, got a spot in the second round. Right. Bracus uh, was absolutely destroyed by Savio Vega, got a broken nose. <laughs> he also injured his knee and shoulder, uh, which ended up um, leading to him retiring from the wrestling business altogether around a year later. Then we had Droz and Hawk, who fought to a draw. Um, Draws uh, at one point in the third round knocked Hawk's mouth guard out uh, as the ref went to pick it up. Hawk told the ref to throw it away, so Draws spat his his own out to to level the playing field. And this was the first time that the crowd were excited about this tournament because all the way through it was uh, it was shit on by the crowd. They wanted wrestling; they didn't want this absolute waste of time. Anyway. The Hawk got a broken nose in that in that match, which meant he couldn't wrestle, and that meant Droz went through automatically. Scorpio and Eight Ball they also faced off. Their match wasn't even televised. You only saw about twenty seconds. That's <laughs> which is clearly what they thought about Scorpio and Eight Ball. Um, then we get to uh, Doctor Death Steve Williams. He faced Quebec Pierre, and. Um, he won by referee stoppage, the first stoppage of the of the uh, tournament. And good old JR absolutely creamed his pants on commentary, pretty much leaving a very sticky substance underneath that, that table. Um, and th- a lot of rumours suggest that Steve uh, was actually paid the, the, the tournament winner's prize after this match because everybody... Uh, with how much JR was was uh, praising Steve Williams and saying that he would beat anybody in the locker room, uh, he was clearly expected to be the winner. But this rubbed up uh, the 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 boys the wrong way, and a lot of people actually started to turn on Steve Williams because JR was was hacking him up so much. So we get to the quarterfinals now. Uh, Steve Williams, the the tournament favourite. Uh, he took on Bart Gunn. Bart in the first round had a a quite a, a boring fight against uh, Bob Holler, who was his tag team partner at the time. Uh, it was essentially just swinging your arms like windmills and hoping to hit it. <laughs> uh, he faced uh, Steve Williams in the quarterfinals, uh, and according to rumor and innuendo, the the locker room was jam-packed standing room only because everybody wanted to see Steve Williams get knocked out because of JR bullying him up so much. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, uh, two rounds in and it was pretty close. Uh, uh, 
Steve Williams had done some uh, some good takedowns to score points, and Bart had hit some haymakers. But then in the third, uh, Bart gets a, a takedown, which uh, hurts Steve. And you can see that when he gets back to his feet, that he's, he's very visibly limping. Uh, and then as he's uh, walking back towards Bart, Bart catches him with a left hook that knocks him clean out cold. Uh, that's the first genuine KO of the tournament. Uh, it also dislocated his jaw. Uh, and as the doctors were running to uh, to ringside, the boys in the back were absolutely cheering. They absolutely loved it. So next we had uh, Godfather against uh, Scorpio. Scorpio was offered some whores to, to throw the match. Um, <laughs> And then Godfather won on points, so what a what a missed opportunity there for Scorpio. Yeah, he's going to lose anyway. Might, have got his ho- might as well have got his hose. Exactly. Uh, Droz uh, beat Savio in another ball fest. And then we had Bradshaw and Mark Miro. Uh, Bradshaw obviously had been talking a lot of shit, uh, saying he would beat everyone up. And uh, he had a different technique in this uh, in this. Uh, fight instead of like the the windmilling that he did in his first round fight, he um, he went for takedowns, knowing that Mark Miro was not skilled on the floor, but he was very skilled with the boxing gloves, mm-hmm. which meant that um, he it, that match went to a um, a draw, and they had a sudden death fourth round, which um, when Bradshaw scored some more takedowns, he was able to eke a victory out. So then we get to the semi-finals, um, where the, the the big hitters are. We had Bart uh, Gunn taking on Godfather. Uh, Godfather actually, for the first uh, two rounds, or for the majority of the uh, the fight, he had the better of of uh, Bart Gunn, uh, but on very very wobbly legs, uh, Bart was able to land a massive right hook that put Godfather fast asleep, literally. Um, then in the other semi-final, we had um, Droz and Bradshaw uh, fighting a, another windmilling, uh, just throwing punches with no with no regard to defence or technique whatsoever. Uh, Bradshaw able to squeeze out another victory. So someone who uh, said he would beat up everybody in the locker room is getting through by the skin of his teeth every single time. So, gets to the final, and it's Bradshaw versus Bart, the two <laughs> the two big hitters in this tournament. Uh, Bradshaw tries to swarm Bart very early, just wailing haymakers towards him, misses every single one, gets caught with a punch, straight to the jaw that knocks him to the floor in less than 15 seconds. Gets back to his feet, Bart, left hook, right hook, JBL is knocked out. So Bart Gunn has destroyed the competition. What was his prize for winning this? Obviously, he wins the $75,000 and the 5000 for each match. Um, it was actually given a WrestleMania match against Butterbean where he was knocked out in around 50 seconds. <laughs> now, uh, this match wasn't actually even meant to be on 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 the, the cards. This was actually, uh, and according to Bart, he knew that it was coming. This was going to be a punishment for him essentially ruining 
the tournament that was meant to be uh, Steve Williams' grand entrance into the WWF. Um, because as soon as he lost this match, he he was fired from from the company and he never wrestled for the WWF again. Um, all in all, uh, this uh, this tournament cost three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. <coughs> so, yeah, me. So my uh, entrant this week is the brawl for all. It is shockingly bad, isn't it? And it's fascinating as well. There's an episode on the brawl for all that Bruce Pritchard did very early on with Conrad Thompson on his podcast, uh, Something to Wrestle. Back when Bruce Pritchard's podcast wasn't just 30 seconds of chat and then an hour and a half of adverts, <laughs> it was actually good in the early days. Uh, that's right, I'm throwing shade at Conrad Thompson. I don't fucking care. You don't listen to this shit. Oh, dear, dear, dear. <laughs> uh, the Brawl for All episode is fascinating, listening to all the stuff that went wrong and so on. It was absolutely brilliant. But this is why pro wrestling is a work. This is exactly why, because mm-hmm. you want something to happen for the benefit of the business. And we keep coming back to that term business because it is a business. It's all about making money. You can't set up a tournament like this with the aim of having somebody win it to go on and make money for the company. And I don't doubt for a second, Dr. Death would have made money with Austin. I think it would have been fantastic. You can't set this up and then hope that it goes the way you want it to. Mm-hmm. Because as this showed perfectly, it's going to bottom out and, and completely shit the bed and go wrong. So they, yeah. it, it, it's lost them. And again, this comes back to the comment from, oh, I can't believe who, I, I can't remember who said it. I think it was CM Punk who said to McMahon on an episode of Monday Night Raw, you're a millionaire, but you should be a billionaire. This is another example of that. Another example of him trying to mm-hmm. do something. Granted, Russo played a big part in it. Jim Ross pushed Dr. Death a lot and so on. But it's that thing of McMahon's the guy in charge. He signs off on it all. It's another example of throwing money, trying to promote something that is not pro wrestling, and it ends up costing him money, and ultimately, just ends up being pretty shit. Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of uh, the 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 best viewpoints from this comes from Bob Holly's book. Uh, he, he has a, he has a hell of a lot to say about this uh, this tournament and the setup, and he he says pretty much what you've just said. If you want a certain result out of this. That's the whole point of wrestling. Gimmick mm-hmm. the tournament so that the, the person who wins is the person who you want to win. Because if you give 16 wrestlers who are not the top of the card, um, not getting a lot of TV time, uh, and you offer them $5,000 per performance and a $75,000 uh, bonus if they win the whole tournament and then tell them that it's, it's winner take all, they they're hungry. These guys yeah. want to to make names for themselves, and so they're going to go out of their way to 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 put on the best performance. Um, you got to think as well. And, you say there that some of these sorry, Maggie. You say some of these matches were live on Monday Night Raw, mm-hmm. and if you won the match, you got five grand. Yeah, yeah. Now this was what nineteen ninety eight eight. Okay, only what four years ago they were earning twenty five dollars for appearing on Raw. Mm-hmm. and there's an opportunity it's, for them four or four and a half years later for five yeah. grand you yeah. know it's yeah it don't add up does it it don't add up no exactly but a very worthy entrant into the hall of lane my friend very worthy indeed I'm Mine surprised is, it hasn't been in before I'm well yeah to be honest when you brought it up i was like have we not done that but you're right we definitely <laughs> haven't we definitely haven't yeah well done bart gun though fair play to the fella i mean well done and also commiserations for getting 
sack for winning a tournament yeah <laughs> for yeah for winning the tournament that you know you're told it's a shoot go and win and then fired because actually they didn't want you to win it after all wrestling is daft <laughs> uh mine is potentially the most recent hall of lame entrance we've ever had max i think there's a chance i could be wrong with that i'm just going by memory so obviously everyone knows how my memory functions but there's a possibility it's the most recent hall of lame entrant we've ever had and it's a mixed bag for me I feel a bit bad mentioning this guy's name in association with this segment of our show. And no, it's not Barry Windham. Don't jump on it. (laughs) You have me smiling then. I saw your little eyes light up there. You were like, oh, he's going to put old Bazza in. But no, I'm not. Um, (laughs) This involves potentially, well, in my opinion, one of the top two performers to ever do it. And that is the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Ric Flair back in the mainly going into the early 80s and then through the 80s into the early 90s in his 30s and his 40s and so on he had this persona that fitted him very well it's you know the the playboy the nature boy he's got the the limos the jets all the women loved him and you know he everywhere he went the women just couldn't resist him hence why Elizabeth turned and sided with him at one stage and all this sort of stuff he just had this aura about him that was his whole gimmick now, Dan Griffin in the chat there. So it could be the most recent. It was actually 1983. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's very recent, very recent. However, this whole womanizing gimmick of flares, well, obviously it worked because he did it for so long. He's one of the best to ever, do, ever perform. But that was back in the 80s. Well, 83, as Dan mentioned, uh, going right through to the mid-90s. It did carry it on potentially a little bit too long because obviously he's getting a bit long in the two. Where it was so. cringy. Yeah, that's fair enough. But when it came to his proper, in my head, retirement at WrestleMania against Shawn Michaels, he was still playing the Nature Boy gimmick to a degree. And it was almost like a tribute act to his former self. So even though that was a bit cringe because he was already an old man, I kind of didn't mind that because it was like seeing Ric Flair go round, you know, round the houses one more time. However, in January of 2021, Ric Flair started appearing on television on Monday Night Raw again. Uh, my wife in the chat here, sorry, say, Sharon, saying, what? Color me shocked you would ever admit a fault with that man. It, honestly, Sharon, it pains me. It pains me. <laughs> you can see up. the tears. It's so difficult. Well it, it, it hurts. But at the same time, this is worthy of its place. Now, again, January 2021. So that's only, what, a year and, a year and nine months ago or something like that. So I think it must be fairly much the most recent we've had i would assume there was a storyline in wwe where rick flair's shall we say magnetism for want of a better term uh the, the spell of the nature boy caught up with lacey evans and lacey evans started to flirt with rick flair rick flair would flirt back all part to do with her feud with charlotte flair now this also affected a Raw Rumble. This also affected title matches that Charlotte would have. And the dynamic of Charlotte and Rick being on opposing sides of the ring was quite intriguing for a little, little while, to be fair. 
because Ric Flair had worked her corner before. And it was, in, it was an interesting dynamic because we hadn't really seen it before. But the fact that he was stood next to Lacey Evans, who was openly flirting and being disgusting with him. And then it kind of developed into hinting that there was, well, not even hinting, there was no subtlety about it. You're literally getting slapped in the face with, with the suggestion of it being a sexual relationship. You know, Lacey Evans and 73-year-old Ric Flair. It was a case of this is this is horrific. This is cringe. This is really bad. And this is around the time when my daughter, my youngest daughter, would still catch a little bit of WWE television. And I'd be sat there watching this with my daughter, who at the time was 11, trying to think, just sat there staring at the TV like this, don't ask a question. Don't ask a question. Let's just skirt over this. Don't ask, don't ask about it. It was horrific. What got a little bit worse was the following month or so, six weeks later, maybe, Lacey Evans, in real life, became pregnant. Mm -hmm. And the plan was, and it was hinted at on television before it was nixed in the bud quite early on, that Ric Flair was going to be the father of her baby on screen. Lacey Evans went away to basically maternity leave, I suppose. She went away because she was pregnant. Obviously, you can't wrestle when you're pregnant. Of course you can't. Uh, And the plan was for this storyline to be resurrected upon her return with said child and so on this was again we come back to it's a business i don't see how anyone could think this would make money but that was kind of the plan until rick flair got fed up of the situation once again and asked for his release in august september time and and got given his release and disappeared from the company so thankfully that storyline never really took off with the child involved but for those six weeks maybe a bit longer pushing two months at a stretch the fact that one of my heroes was portraying a 73 year old man who was lecturing over a much younger lady. And that lady was, you know, quite happy to indulge the elderly gentleman. Well, I I don't know if she was happy to indulge. It was more, this is your job, get it done. Well, I I meant storyline wise, Magsy, as opposed to, yeah, that is my entrance into the hall of lame this week, my friend. Um, Kiss, stealing Ric Flair at 73, maybe. And and uh, and the kicker is that all that led to the abomination of Ric Flair's final match because he got his release and ended up having this horrific last match. And then he said on, on Twitter, he will never retire and he's planning another one. So, yeah. Hmm. Oh dear. Wrestling, eh? Isn't it glorious? <laughs> but those are your entrance into this week's Chain Wrestling Hall of Lame. We have the ridiculous Brawl for All tournament that ended people's careers by injury or just by getting their papers and getting told to, you know, mm-hmm. we, we wish you luck in your future endeavors, I suppose. Or Ric Flair fathering Lacey Evans' baby. Ridiculous. There you go. Right. Both disgusting for different reasons. Why do we watch wrestling? wrestling? We will come to why we watch wrestling when we talk about the three birds later, mate. Anyway. um... (laughs) Oh, this is going to be such a good wrestling topic. I'll go. I fucking hated it. I can tell, mate. I can tell. And I'm going to tell you exactly why you're wrong. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Maxi, should we have a quick run through the chat before we get on to this week's non wrestling topic? Yes, uh, we shall. Um, Dan Griffin has said he is shocked at the CDF picking the actual wrestling. I, I'm I'm not so much shocked 
I'm disappointed in you guys. I love you all. Letting this happen. <laughs> Tyler says he still blames Vince Russo. I mean, that should be the wrestling go-to. Ah, if something that goes is, wrong, sorry, blame that Vince is Russo. Chuck Winchester. From... Oh, that's Chuck, not Tyler. It's, no, there's so many it. Facebook users, and, yeah. and we are massively appreciating you tuning in from Facebook. Um, but yeah, yes. blame Vince When you Russo. jump on Facebook, actually, when, when you jump on Facebook, um, it will give you the option of syncing with the StreamYard so that when you comment, your name will appear for Mags and I. Or if you don't want to do that, because it is an app that requires permissions to, to do that for just you, if you're not comfortable with that, just literally enter your name onto your comment just so we know who it is. Okay. But yeah, sorry, Magsy, carry on. So Dan Griffin says it was Bracus's finest hour. Um, only hour, Dan. Only, only hour. Well, and he says <laughs> um, Godfather beat Dan Seven on points as well, if, if I recall. Nope, that was incorrect. Uh, sorry, Dan. It was actually Dan Seven that beat Godfather uh, on points, and Godfather got the got the the bar because Seven he was he was pissed off about the the fans booing um he was pissed off about wearing gloves um he, he basically was sold this tournament was going to be in his wheelhouse and it and it, and it wasn't so he was actually on the next episode of raw in, in a suit and tie scene he uh he was uh, uh quitting the tournament and he had nothing to prove uh so godfather actually got the bar because of that um, Fowler Original, hello, sir. How are you? Saying those speedboats won't fit in the canals of <laughs> Birmingham. Well, be lucky that you didn't win uh, a fitted kitchen that you had to share with your mate. That would have been even more fun. Uh, Steve Blackman beat the piss out of JBL uh, in an airport instead. Yeah. Good on him. Absolutely good on him. And, and again, referring back to the the, the Bob Holly uh, uh, book, and he legitimately said that that. Steve was so excited for this tournament because um, there was um, there was like a, a a team meeting to discuss the the tournament and who would be in it. And one of the questions that Steve asked was, "Will I get disqualified if I take people's knees out?" And he was amazing, dead, deadly, deadly serious. He was an absolute killer. Um, Dan says, Brawl for All was still better than watching Jake, Bo- uh, Jake Paul box. Jesus Christ. And King uh, King's Pig's Bladder said, Jake Paul's a clown. Yeah, but that clown is making a stupid amount of money uh, farting people who, who've never put boxing gloves on before. So mm. the money's there for him. Uh, the Bart Gun Butter Bean Fart at, at WrestleMania 15 was a finger beauty. Poor Bart. You, there's a. Uh, in, in watching the the the, the brawl for all and then uh, watching the, that fight, he is cleaned out very very quickly. Like literally, he ends up being slumped in the corner, his head hanging out the ropes. It, it's so so brutal. Um, Dan says, "Say it could be the most recent. It was actually 1983." And then Sharon uh, saying it was a, a shock you would ever admit a fault with Ric Flair. Ric Flair has got a lot of faults. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Cold flight of day. Um, Lacey just wanted to ride Space Mountain. Woo! <laughs> don't we all by Kingpin's bladder? Jesus went. Uh, I think Sharon maybe doesn't want to ride Space Mountain. Maybe she's more of a teacups kind of person. Kingsbladder said it was a tough watch, the Lacey um, Evans uh, segment, and <laughs> it was even a tougher <laughs> wank. <laughs> Brilliant. But notice he doesn't uh, say impossible. He powered through. Yeah, and it wasn't crafty. <laughs> it was definitely not a crafty one. 
They said Flair had to do that last match. He's got a younger to provide for. <laughs> yeah, so much <laughs> alimony, so much. Uh, and now he's flogging a Viagra ripoff. Yeah. He's not, is he? he is. And the, the caption is as he stands there holding this little tablet or whatever. Um, he's also selling his own brand of weed as well. I don't know if you've seen that. He, he, he's quite openly smoking weed everywhere, selling his own weed. But he's now the, the catchphrase of this Viagra ripoff is this is not your granddaddy's dick pills. Oh, you're going to be as rude as you like with me. So he's even ripping off uh, DDP with his, mm-hmm. this is not this is not your mama's yoga. Yeah. Yeah. What a tosser. Uh, <laughs> Sharon, take my iPad up with you next time so you can see yourself. Yeah. When it comes at Facebook user, Sharon messages me to tell me who that is because she's looking at the Facebook group for us, you see. But yeah. See, look at that. Behind the scenes, Sharon is the, the glue that holds this show together. Oh, always said so. Always said so. Uh, Dan's uh, saying, fair enough, I just remember Godfather going through. Yeah, he did go through, um, but yeah, he, he did get me. He, he put up a good fight. He caught uh, Dan Seven with a few good shots, but Seven did use his grappling to, to, to good effect. Scottish Danny, I hope there's a, a Steve Blackman comeback one day. So I've been watching uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, a channel called Wrestling Bios on uh, YouTube, and they do uh, a, a show called Reliving the War. So it's basically they go week to week and compare the Raws and the Smackdowns, uh, the Raws and the Nitros. And uh, they've got to the point where Steve Blackman has debuted, and this guy is an Irish guy. I don't know his name, but he absolutely adores Steve Blackman. And every time uh, Steve Blackman comes on, he, he puts on like a caption and he does that. You're as cold as ice. <laughs> and, and that's where he calls him Steve motherfucking Blackman. So that's where right. I've nicked it from. And finally, Dan Griffin, Tank Abbott would have pissed the brawl for all. He would have, he would have just taken the 75 <laughs> grand and just walked off. Uh, Tank was blackballed. He was too violent. <laughs> Well, that's potentially what happened, yeah. Potentially, you know. And it was in a different company, so there is that. Well, there was that. There <laughs> was that, yeah. Oh, dear me. Thank you again, everybody, for all the messages in the chat and stuff via Twitter and so on. And speaking of King Pigs Badders, I believe it was them. They just put something out on Twitter, Maxi, that I've uh, screenshotted and DM'd you that we can look at in a bit. I don't want you to sort of disrupt what you're doing behind the scenes. It's a lovely picture of you and me actually as potatoes. So we can maybe have a little oh. look at that. After our uh, our non wrestling topic, got a new Twitter avatar. Oh, that's going to be our cover picture, mate. <laughs> but shall we get to our non wrestling topic, my friend? Well, let's do it. NWT time. Oh, no wrestling talk here. It's the non wrestling topic. Lovely. Nice. Lovely. Nice. Oh, lovely. Lovely. Filthy belch. <laughs> so grim. So, so grim. <laughs> I might change it up and get some other sound effects. No, I'll keep that one. That was great. Our non wrestling topic this week is something very close to my heart, actually. It concerns music festivals. And basically picking your own, uh, I suppose, fantasy booking your own music festival. The criteria was sort of trying to keep it semi-realistic with the lineup order in that we want a show opener, your festival opener, which obviously will be a smaller act. Two kind of in-the-day bands who are obviously of a bit slightly bigger stature. Your special guests, which are you know a big deal. And then, of course, your headliner, who must be of headline status. Uh, but that's kind of where keeping it realistic ends because we said any genre 
any music, dead or alive, doesn't even matter, Maxi, does it? It absolutely doesn't. And I like the way you haven't stole this from the, the meme that goes around Twitter regularly where you get, is it $10 and you get to pick your 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 lineup and there's like $1 bands, like, yeah, Iron Maiden. Okay, I know the ones you mean. I'll be honest with you. What do you mean $1 yes. for Iron Maiden? And your ACDCs, like your $2 bands like Scorpions. and I will slap your little northern face if I ever see you. (laughs) And then your $5 (laughs) bands like Bewitched. (laughs) Oh, man. I actually didn't steal it from that at all. But at the same time, I can see where the similarities are. So maybe I sort of subconsciously got the idea from that. Creative, creative licensing. Mm, Yeah. I mean, I'll openly admit when I do steal something, don't worry (laughs) me. But, Uh, we will start very quickly with one on WhatsApp, Magsy, sent to us at one minute to nine, because Charlie asked me very last minute, what's the non-wrestling topic, Daddy? I've not answered it, so I had to send it to him. Uh, Charlie says here, and these are all people that I'm not massively familiar with, because it's a case of she's a completely different generation to I. Uh, some YouTubers who make their own music as well. Charlie's festival would be a band called Lovejoy opening, which is a YouTuber called Wilbur Soot from Dream SMP, who is the YouTube kind of group that he's in. Uh, another band called Cave Time. Somebody else called Turbo, who is also from Dream SMP YouTube group. And then Melanie Martinez, who some people may know, a singer that Charlie likes. And Imagine Dragons would be her headline act. I know the headline. I have absolutely no idea of any of the others. Nah, no, I, I, I do know. I think it's Wilbur Soot. Uh, Charlie, if you're still in the chat, let me know. Um, there's a couple of times where Charlie's played me some of the music she likes and I've been doing a few things downstairs. And there was one song in particular I did really like. I mean, it's a bit, it's not quite my cup of tea. But there was one song that was really good. And I think that was Wilbur Soot. If I can find out what it is, maybe I'll chuck a bit on the audio version somewhere. But yeah, it's, it's not bad, actually, mate. It's not bad, to be fair. Okay. But there we go. Uh, to Twitter then, to Twitter. We will start with, well, we'll run through in the order they came into us, you know, because obviously Magsy loves it when I do that. And I don't know any other way of formatting this segment. Um, <laughs> Charlie said you have Tubbo song on your like songs. On, oh, okay. On your Spotify. Is that the one then, Charlie? Is it Tubbo's song? Is that the one I'm thinking of? So he would have been one of the, your mid-afternoon bands, wouldn't he? Yeah, okay. Thank you, Charlie. No worries. Uh, first in on Twitter was our good friend Morty, at MortyJR5. He says he would have the junkyard dog opening with Grab Them Cakes. Well, I started this dance in my neighborhood. Now everybody's doing it because it feels so good. All you need is a partner that know how to move. And the rest are real easy. Just dig the groove. Which I think is only one song, isn't it? So what's he going to do? Play it once or just play it <laughs> Just over and over. <laughs> He's going to fill his 20 minutes just playing that song over yeah. and over again. <laughs> Followed by Millwall Chris's favourite artist, Coco Beware, with this classic. And he included a YouTube link to a Coco Beware song. And then the fabulous Rougeos with, 
<laughs> playing their theme. And then his special guest would be Les Kellett, with the headliner being Three Count from WCW. The festival name would be called Bang Bang Nightmare. Brilliant. I don't Absolutely. think I I don't think I'd go to that. If the tickets were free, I think you would. Well, maybe. Three count. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up was our good buddy Tyler Peters at Dustin Tyler86 on Twitter and also Facebook user on Facebook. Uh, he <laughs> says <laughs> that popped me. He says here, and this is one of the people I think that maybe is a bit optimistic with where some of their bands may play, but it's okay. Okay, I mean, we make rules up, break them. Who gives a shit? It's, it's just mm-hmm. it's under chat mags, isn't it? Uh, the show opener for Tyler would be the band Tesla. So sort of point 80s American radio rock there. Uh, his bands for In The Day, well, one of them would be Dokken. Again, very 80s hair metal. They did the theme music to one of the Nightmare on Elm Street films, didn't they? Okay, yeah. I think it was. Uh, Scottish Dan, I know, in the chat. And he says, special guests would be Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden. So he's named two special guests there. I wonder if that would be at the same time, or they take it in turns. Yeah, just just black, a, a battle, battle yeah. rock battle. Yeah, just going back and forth. One band gets to play a song, next band gets to play a song, Steve comes yeah. out. That, That'd yeah. actually be proper awesome. That would. And uh, Tyler's headliner would be a band I know that he's massively fond of, uh, Judas Priest. For me, having seen some of these bands on the same festival bills and so on, Priest would go on before Sabbath and Maiden to me. But this is your fancy festival, mate. There you go. And Tyler says his festival would be called Music City Rock Fest. Yeah. Would you be tempted to that one, Mags? You know, that sounds like it'd be wholesome fun. Mm. Lots of big hair and hairspray and probably booze and all sorts, which is exactly what you want. Our good friend Tolly at Rain Counter on Twitter, he says, great question, tough question. The opener for him would be the Amazons. I don't know them, Max, do you know them? No, uh, I'm assuming they're a relatively new band. Okay, well, that'd be why I don't know them, then I'm incredibly out of touch. I have no idea. I've never heard of them at all. Fair enough. Uh, in the day, he says he would have the Mannix and Future Islands. I thought the Mannix would be higher up for him because I know I actually loves them. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised they didn't just have the Mannix like all the way through. Um, but when you see his, uh, his special guest and his headliner, you can understand why. Yeah, yes, that stature, I guess, of where they play on the lineup. Because his special guest, uh, filling the special guest slot for Tolly, is Brian Ferry. Are you a Brian Ferry fan, Max? Um, not really. Mm. Uh, I, I understand his, his influence in music, but yeah, it's not. It's not my cup of tea. Yeah, it's not not really mine either, but again, quite a big name, isn't it? And this headliner would be the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now, I've said on numerous occasions on this show, especially when we've done our I Don't Get It episode, 
the chilies come into that category for me. I don't get it. Early stuff. Um, it's very hit and miss. The 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 mid period, the the um, scar tissue and and the the cart stop period. There's like California cursion and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I was really into that. Uh, some of the newer stuff again, they've kind of lost me. Um, but I, I, I do get it. I think they they're a huge huge band. So hmm. okay, fair enough. Uh, Dan Griffin at Dan Griffin twenty one on Twitter. He took it as Are we seriously. Skipping Tully's second. I imagine I'm coming to that in a bit. Okay. In fact, what I've done is, mate, I've actually got Tolly twice here. So That's when I start nice. talking, when I start talking about Tolly again in a few seconds' time, stop me because we've already covered his one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dan Griffin, he says his show opener would be the three-man band. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, in the day, would oh, this is a terrible combo. This is horrific. This is just music hell. In the day, he would have Van Hammer followed, oh. by, Gillian, followed by Gillian Hall. Oh, Jesus wept. Can you mean, imagine if they and- combined it? The the way to get Gillian Hall off the stage would be to just have Boogeyman come and chew the mall off her face. What? Oh, dear. Oh, can you imagine if they combined it? Because obviously Van Hammer was supposedly a guitarist, but he wasn't. But you know, and Gillian yeah, Hall was, Gillian Hall was supposed, supposedly a singer. Yeah, and I mean, she, perhaps Gillian Hall could provide the vocals for Van Hammer's album. It would sound very. 80s with the way she screamed she'd, mm. she'd fit in yes uh, Dan's special guest would be the maestro he's a magician <laughs> wasn't he <laughs> oh no <laughs> the fucking maestro oh no I remember the maestro yeah he was not good no he was not and his headliner would be another shout here for three count but this time with Tank Abbott so Tank just standing count. there your four <laughs> oh man dan uh, no. says no the master was a penis a penis uh, a, sorry a pianist a pianist i was getting him confused with the magician mold chewing is jillian Sefinale. But, oh my God. but what would happen would she then have to get it back and stick it on for her next show or is this literally yeah. a one and done deal just velcro just velcro on the back of the wall a velcroed up mole <laughs> amazing <laughs> danny at scottish juggalo on twitter he says for his opener alien ant farm okay that's a bit of a blast from the past magazine i mean i only really know maybe two songs from them or one of them's a cover um and yeah i think i know two movies i remember them having a song called oh Movie. yeah yeah uh and then obviously they did um smooth criminal yeah quite a good cover that wasn't it I think it's probably the best um, smooth criminal cover I've ever heard. Okay. Have you heard many? No, just that one. <laughs> Brilliant. So ironically, it's also <laughs> the worst. Yeah. In a real kind of paradoxy, <laughs> weird way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Danny says in the day, he would have Kurt Angort singing, I'm just a sexy Kurt. I'm imagining just on a loop over and over and over yeah, again. Like, like Coco Beware and Junkyard yep. Dog just doing the same thing over and over. Yeah. Uh, special guest, he would have Limp Biscuit. Now I've seen Limp Biscuit live a couple of times. They are fucking fantastic. So so good. Yeah, great pick. And his headliner, he would have Prime nineteen eighty eight Motorhead. Now this started a bit of a conversation in my head and with Danny, but mainly in my head. Uh, <laughs> this got I'm you massive, angry. 
Well, no, not angry. Not angry. But I'm just curious. You know, well, not curious. I'm just 88 Motorhead. Is that their prime? I mean, Ace of Spades and that era, some people refer to as being their prime. That that lineup with Filthy Animal Taylor and Fast Eddie Clark in the early 80s. But I really like the Motorhead lineup with Phil Campbell and so on from a bit later on, sort of 2004, 2005. I think that musically they were at their peak then. But mm-hmm. again, Motorhead has so many lineup changes and so many different albums that, okay, primarily sounded the same. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's you know, there's so many there. I suppose you can always just, you know, everyone have their own peaks and troughs in their career, don't they? Exactly. This is, as as with wrestling, uh, music is incredibly subjective. You like what you like and you, you mm. dislike what you dislike. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, mate. That's right. <laughs> Dan Griffin, I thought Phil Taylor's nickname was the power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same guy. Yeah, he played drums for Motorhead. Um, <laughs> uh, Rob, at UTT Rob on Twitter, he says, not going to lie, the idea of camping, no access to showers, and shitting in a portaloo for a weekend is pretty much my idea of hell. My fantasy festival is a beer festival. Fair enough. Can't argue with that, mate. <laughs> he could have given us his five beers. His opener is like if he was on a a beer sesh. What mm. would be his opener? What would be his uh, his session beers? What would be his cheeky little tipple? And then he's one for the road. But no, yeah, yeah. Did, didn't uh, want to play along. So just popped on our Twitter to say, "Don't like festivals. Fuck you guys." Yeah, basically. But thanks for playing, Rob. Um, <laughs> we come back to Tolly here. Uh, I have. Let me have a look. I think I've just got the same one. To, oh, no, I haven't. No, there's, not, there's not much of... Well, there is a bit of change. He's stuck with the same opener. Yes, and that's the day act. Yes, so the opener would remain the Amazons, Tolly says here. Uh, day acts would be the Manics. But they'd also have Ash with Charlotte Haffley. Now, yeah, she joined Ash, later in, Yeah, she joined fairly late into, into Ash's like, peak run. Right. Okay. Uh, special great, guest. Uh, great guitarist, but yeah, she wasn't the original Ash. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I only really know like they had one album that was quite big in the nineties. I kind of know stuff from that, but I wouldn't know much more. I don't think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you'll know the song burn baby burn. Surely. Uh, that rings a bell. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not singing it. I'm, my throat is like sandpaper. So you're letting us down, Maxie. You're letting us down. It's How a perfect going? time for you to put in a musical interlude for the audio listeners of Ashburn <laughs> Baby Burn. I will do I will definitely 100 percent remember to do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The special guest slot on Tolly's second shite here would be the Smiths. And he says they can't headline the set because they would fall out two songs in. Yeah. <laughs> because Morrissey. <laughs> Morrissey is a talented guy, but he's also uh, a bit of a wanker. Yeah, I get that impression. And headliner Oasis. Yeah. Fair enough. 
all about that, mate. Love a bit of Oasis. Yep. Absolutely stand buff. Uh, all the way from Australia, Mr. Mango here at Mango underscore Chris tells us what he would do, what he would put on in his own native country in the outback. Plenty of room for people to stand around at the main stage there. Uh, he says the opener... Very hard be... to, 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 for the security to, to keep the kangaroos out of. Yeah, yeah. But imagine kangaroos in a mosh pit. Imagine a mosh pit for <laughs> kangaroos. Jesus. That would work, wouldn't it? You wouldn't would be too close to the front if that was going on. I wonder if the kangaroos would like any of these bands. Uh, the opener for Chris Mangor is The Dead Safe. In the day, he would say Green Day and Nirvana. Uh, he's special- got, he's, I mean, I don't know the opener that he's got. I've never heard of The Dead South, but he's, it, the rest of his lad up is, is banger. Absolute banger. It's just, it's a complete, it's quite diverse. And it's pretty much every band you would normally see as a headliner, I think. Yeah, pretty much. But there you go. He's got to fill that massive desert somehow. So he's got to you know, stack the bill. And his day acts would be, as I said, Green Day and Nirvana. His special guest would be Tupac. And his headline would be the original lineup of Queen. And he says it should come under budget, don't you think? <laughs> and then his name, Manglebury. That's Mango, absolutely yeah. brilliant, brilliant yeah. name. Exactly. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much, Chris. Always awesome to hear from you, my friend. Uh, James at 80s and 90s Wrestling, he says the opener for his festival would be the Courtineers. Don't think Cortinas. I know them, man. The Courtineers. Yeah. They're a very hip Manchester band. Very, very popular now. Um, uh, okay. Not my cup of tea. Uh, kind of like a throwback to Indie. Almost, but um, yeah, they're massively popular. Okay, okay, I'll, maybe I'll check some of that out. Um, I probably won't. In the day, James says he would have uh, menswear and Beastie Boys. Obviously, I know Beastie Boys. We spoke about them on the show in the past. Menswear, I don't think I'm familiar with them. Either. So menswear were very early indies, kind of like um, I'd say probably ninety three, ninety four, maybe. Um, didn't have that many huge hits, uh, but they were they were popular. Hmm, okay. Uh, his special guest slot would go to Vince McMahon singing Stand Up. <laughs> Like that. <laughs> yeah and that's the sort of that's the sort of set when you want you know occasionally at festivals <laughs> you have like guest musicians all come on stage and everything like that get members of all the other bands to come on and dance around behind him that would be fantastic all walking onto the stage like yeah especially when you see that his headliner is Slipknot imagine them all coming out dressed <laughs> up in, in, their, <laughs> in their masks and everything dancing with Vince McMahon that is so fired so far, that's the festival that gets my money, Max. That one there, just to see Slipknot dancing to Vince McMahon. All about that, mate. All about that. Brilliant. Uh, he tried ne- to cheat, though, did James. 
did he? He tried to throw in in spiral carpets um, to have a six band. Um, oh, yes. Up. And you told him, no, he had to get rid of one. Um, <laughs> so he said, I can only add, I can't take away, and I'm chucking black grape onto the lineup too, you Nazi. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Jesus. a bit harsh, calling me a Nazi, but I don't know what was yeah. up with me when he messaged in at that point. I was very much being a stickler for the rules for literally that two-minute window, because the rest of the time, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you give, I mean, you give Tolly two goals. Uh, yeah, and, it, and yet poor James, you 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 stuck to the rules. You're very unfair. Very, yeah, I'm, very unfair. I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly sorry, James. I am. So, you can have <laughs> as many bands as you like, as long as we still get Vince McMahon with Slipknot as his backing dancers. Uh, Connor knows soccer at Connor knows footy on Twitter. He's got quite a stacked lineup as well with a band as his opener that I, I don't think you would ever see open anywhere now they're too big of a deal obviously but <laughs> again it'd be uh, interesting to see metallica open a festival Well, I know Sharon, my wife, would hate that, but I think it'd be quite interesting to see Metallica open a festival. Yeah. Very peaking early, though. Yes, it is. It is. But then in the day, he has Trivium Park... Oh, he's got, he's got three here, Maxi. Trivium, Parkway Drive, Again. and Autopsy. But yet you didn't rake uh, uh, Connor over the calls. No, for, I know. He's cheating. No, I should do. Connor, that's... I, I, no, I can't be bothered. <laughs> Connor Fest is cancelled. <laughs> because you've got too many bands uh, Trivium, I like a bit of Trivium I'm not a massive um, fan of Parkway Drive I don't really know any Autopsy I don't know a lot of those bands or okay. words oh dear 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 <laughs> but even though you're wearing a t-shirt that says I know words I know, I need to put don't know words that'll be the next one mate, when we get a new, a new batch of t-shirts coming out to coincide with Chain Wrestling 100 in a few weeks time Oh, that's what I'll do. I'll change it to just say I don't know words. By yeah, with like one of those little arrows, like when you made a mistake and you don't want to yeah, rewrite that's it. it. <laughs> arrow and then don't. Oh, man, we're like merchandise machines. We're amazing. Uh, Connor's special guest would be Corn. Always great at a big outdoor festival, Corn. <laughs> yep. And another Freak shout. on the leash. Don't run yeah, with that. exactly, mate. And another shout for Slipknot to headline. Quite a few getting in there for Slipknot, isn't there? A lot of very hard-rocking... Um, people in, in the CWF here. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, we have a message here on Twitter from someone called Steve Weber at Steve Hello. Weber 64 on Twitter. Hello, Steve. Hello, welcome Steve. To the, welcome to the crew. Yeah, I don't think we've ever heard from you before. So this is awesome. Thank you so much for messaging in to the show. Oh, this is fantastic as well, by the way. Opener, Slade. Oh, yeah.
I'd love to see Slade. But like, you know, with Noddy Holder and everything, I'm, I love Slade. Yeah, because there, there is, is there two, or there was two versions of Slade, weren't there, after there was a split? Well, Noddy Holder hasn't done anything for a long, long time. He's basically just retired. Slade yeah. are still touring, but I think it's only like the one guy from Slade now, and all the rest are like yeah. different is people. The real Slade, is it the cold or something like that? I don't know. But they play like quite small venues around, and then come Christmas, they play slightly larger places because everyone wants to hear the Christmas record, I'm assuming. Yeah, they? exactly. Normally play, I think they normally play something in Wolverhampton around that time. Oh, there's a, there's a bar in Slade called the Slade Dreams. It's named after them, so perhaps they play there. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that would make sense, wouldn't it? That would make sense. It would. It would, absolutely. Uh, our friend Steve continues. In the day, the band, and then Janice Joplin. Yeah, Janice Joplin. I'd have a bit of that. I'd, yeah, I'd watch class. that, mate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, special guest, Zappa and the Mothers, the 1974 incarnation. Not heard a lot of Zappa, to be fair. Mm, yeah, um, same. You know, it was a little bit before my time, a bit, um, a bit experimental, for me, mm. a bit too experimental. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, what a headliner though, Johnny Cash, but with Bob Dylan. Oh. I mean, I that's... like a bit of Johnny Cash, mate. I mean, Johnny Cash had a um, a period where he was uh, doing a lot of covers, so I imagine him covering some Bob Dylan tracks. Oh. Mm. With Bob Dylan there as well, <laughs> yeah, right. covering Johnny Cash tracks. Covering Johnny Cash tracks, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the dueling thing again. When the guy comes off, and they're but they're doing each that other's be, songs. That would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, thank you so so much, Mister Weber. That was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, speaking of people called Steve, we have something here from Stevo at Total Stevo on Twitter. And yes, Magsy, I know I forgot to email you the bloody soundbite again. I am sorry. Um, I just give up asking yeah it's almost like literally when i stop recording i forget everything i've done in the previous two hours (laughs) (laughs) i know that feeling or i try to forget it uh steve-o says here everybody say what time is it steve-o Great topic. Let's just go boring for the name. The Total Stevo Fest, featuring my go-to bands. And Stevo has a big list, so I'm assuming yeah, he he's wants totally to, uh, cheated. Yeah, this is a three-day festival. Yeah, Stevo's going for like a whole download of his own here. Um, <laughs> his day acts would be Lorna Shaw, Awake in Providence, Mental Cruelty, Unearth, Newfound Glory, and Funeral for a Friend. Now, I've heard a funeral for a friend. I think I know Newfound Glory. Yeah, a couple of big, big hitters in that uh, in that day act. No mm. openers, uh, unfortunately. I don't know if we're going to get to those, mate, because it's over a few pages on my screenshots. So we will find out continues. <laughs> Night acts. Falling in Reverse. Now, Falling in Reverse are a band that I kind of discovered via Steve-O's own podcast. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about music he was into and bands he likes at different times in his life. And I really enjoy these now. There's some really good stuff there. I mean, I, I can't name any songs. I literally just hit a playlist on shuffle when I'm on the bus. But what I hear, I love. And it's purely down to Steve-O bringing them to my attention. So I, I really appreciate that. Uh, Bowling for Soup and My Chemical Romance would also fill his night acts as well. Yeah, Bowling for Soup is a is a way out there choice compared to the rest. It's like they were... Like one of these bands does not belong here. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, I saw Bowling for Soup at a uh, download festival and they were playing middle of the afternoon. 
and it was gloriously sunny afternoon. It was lovely. And there was a lot of heavier bands on the same stage. So when they came on, it was almost like a bit of light relief and everyone just had fun because they're a great fun yeah, band. Yeah. And it was really in that slot. It worked really well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I get that. I mean, the basis is that, is it the, the guy with the, the, the chubby guy with the bald head? Um, he's, he's looks like a laugh right whenever I'm sitting yeah. there. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Steve-O continues, uh, kill switch engage, love a bit of kill switch avenged sevenfold and system of a down would be oh, system of a down. What a pick. I I'm don't not, get it. I, I've not, well, I, some tracks. Yes. And I will play those tracks over and over and over again. They will be part of playlists I put together and so on, but beyond this handful of records, I'm, I'm not massively into it. And I think I, I blame my kid brother for this. My younger brother, he was hugely into system of a down. He, they were his band growing up um because he was literally the, the right age when their first album hit i guess and he played it to death in my house to the point where i think i just got bloody sick of it was the first album called steal this album i'm sure that their first album was called steal this album i don't know if that was their first but that's definitely one of them isn't it mm. and i think the big the biggest album they had was probably toxicity yeah well i ah, was toxicity earlier i don't i, I got no idea I, no that was after that that was after steal this album yeah toxic okay. is is the the one with like chop suey on um basically yeah. the, the huge hits yeah yeah that's the one that i remember and then they, then they did the the double release i think it was hypnotize and mesmerize or something like that mm. two albums on the same day yeah they're a great band okay. from armenia as well so what does that make them better no, automatically just, then or they they just very like Armenia's biggest export okay. outside Andre Agassi. Army Andre Agassi's from Armenia. No, he's not. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, I, re I remember. I right, thought he was I just think. from the states. He's no, he's a, he, he he like played tennis under the American flag, but I'm sure he's from Armenia. Oh, okay. Or he's looking at now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh no, no, he's he is he was born in America, but he has got Armenian um parents. Right, okay. What else can you get from people in the chat, CWF, let us know what else is Armenia known for apart from System of a Dane <laughs> and Andre Agassi's parents? Because I'm intrigued, <laughs> like what else comes out of Armenia? Because I can't think of anything. I'm gonna Google that. <laughs> okay, whilst you do that, I will continue with Steve O's choices here. Uh, he says, when all is said and done, Slipknot are announced as special guests to close. Whatever I may think, they are a phenomenal band staying strong over the past 25 years. And on a side note, Slipknot's latest album is a very easy listening, almost Beatles-esque. Genuinely recommend to check it out. You know, Slipknot, again, my brother played them so much when I was younger. Sorry, when he was younger. Well, I'd have been younger too, wouldn't I? That's how aging works. But um, that's <laughs> uh, uh, the earlier albums. Okay, but hit and miss. Then they went for a spell of kind of i don't want to say softening up but they kind of changed a bit that middle era of slipknot i quite enjoyed 
up to present day. The new album I've not heard yet, but Steve-O says check it out. I, I count Steve-O's opinion very highly when it comes to music. I will check Absolutely. it out. Uh, Sharon uh, in the chat corrected me, saying that uh, uh, Steel, this album, was actually after Toxicity, so apologies. And uh, okay. <laughs> King's Pigs Ladder says Armenia is famous for Armenians. Um, of anyway, course. I've, I have Googled it, and yeah, there's not much about Armenia that, that stands out to be no. fair. No, unfortunately. Yeah, okay. Sorry, Armenia. There must be something. It's like, that it used to be part of the 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 Russian Empire. Is that it? So it's famous for system of a diet and what is the Wikipedia page is very, very small. Like the country. But oh, well, yeah, it's also incredibly small. Yeah, so basically Armenia is just famous for System of a Dane and once upon a time being the the the, the, the armpit of Russia or something. Yeah, pretty much. Sounds Come on, like Armenia. That. Come on, you want an independent yeah, You're Armenia. letting the you side down. <laughs> Pull your finger out and do some, yeah, invent some fancy cheese or something. Let's have something from you. Crying out loud. Uh, GH on Twitter here, at Carry the Gary. He asked, what does in the day mean? So we had to sort of go through what I meant by that because I didn't really make that very clear, I think. Yeah, because um, it could be construed that you meant like a band from back in the day. Somewhere. Yeah, but this is the issue with Twitter, mate. You've only got so many letters and that really pisses yeah. me off. I mean, you would not have coped in Twitter three or four years ago when you got half the amount of letters that you had now. No, I used to struggle like shit with that. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> Carry the Gary on Twitter. He says he'll give it a try. Opener would be Swerve Driver. Not a band I'm familiar, familiar with, mate. Yep, same. I don't know oh, anything about okay. Swerve Driver. In the day, Bad Religion and oh, Alice in Chains. Oh, yeah, I'm all about that. Love Alice in Chains. Cool. No, nothing. No? Okay, brilliant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> his special guests would be Nirvana, and his headliner, he would have uh, Therapy. Now, Therapy are a band that I think when you're pulling it in the order of where certain bands would play, potentially wouldn't hit the headline slot above a Nirvana or someone like that. But I go along with, with Gary here. I bloody love Therapy, especially the trouble going out. Yeah, I, th- I think he's amazing. I think he's mentioned therapy before when we've had mm. a, a music topic. Yeah. Um, so good. That album's amazing. So, so yeah. good. Uh, Cam at Cam Griff 92 on Twitter. He says here, and this opener is great, Magsy. This opener is great. He says for his festival opener, the cast of school of rock inclusive of one, Mr. Jack black. Brilliant. Yes. That, that, that's awesome. Yeah. That is, that is In fantastic. The end of time. There was a man who knew the way. Go on, keep going. A beam of light. You'll be just fine. <laughs> I've watched School of Rock, can you tell? That's it. End the stream. It ain't getting no better than that. That's, we, we've peaked Think this you week. You can kick me out of the band. <laughs> But you're not hardcore. Well, you're not hardcore unless you live hardcore. Unless you live hardcore. But the legend of the rent was way hardcore. I remember that now, actually. <laughs> Just what is he singing? Oh, yeah. For a long time, singing. yeah. For a long time, I was thinking, what is he on about? I just thought I'd let you go, mate, to be fair. It, it was beautiful. Thanks for that. <laughs> that is, I've, I've re injured my throat again. You've gone. <laughs> 
you've gone from me naming Alice in Chains to giving me complete fucking audio silence for about 15 seconds to then reciting half of a bloody song for another band. So yeah, if you'd like to some, you know, some way meet us in the middle with the rest of this, this segment of the show, I think that'll work quite well. Uh, in the day bands for cam he would have some 41 and bloodhound gang have some good fun with them wouldn't you i think yeah to um what kind of like comedy rock bands i would have would have said yeah yeah uh special guest is very comedy based weird al yankovic bloody hell great call yeah great call um i mean he must be getting on a bit now yeah I'm yeah. still releasing music pretty regular. Okay, fair play to the guy. And you never hear anything bad about him, do you? Been around for so long, and you never hear a story about him being a novice or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love the way that's weird, both of us. <laughs> if you name yourself Weird Al Yankovic, you, you're not going to be able to get away with a bit of pedoing. No. No, probably not. It's all, yeah, that's what you mean. Uh, his headliner would be the Arctic Monkeys. That's fair oh, enough. Another great shout. Hmm. Yeah, decent shot, yeah. Uh, we have one more here on uh, Twitter, and then my wife has said that she has messaged me with her, so I'll have to jump back to WhatsApp for that one, Magsy. But Matt Butler, at Trey Butler on Twitter. I think this is another first-time message into the show, potentially. Welcome welcome to the family, Matt. Yeah, great stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, show opener, Honky Tonk Man and the Honkettes. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, he would also have three LC. I'm not familiar with that. What's that? Three LC. Mm. That mm, I don't. I don't know that one. Looking at the rest of them, I'm assuming it's a wrestling reference of some description. It could be. I mean, it's unless he meant three count or three man band. I don't know. But yeah, Matt, okay. um, let us know who three LC was. Yeah, let us know, mate. I'm intrigued. Uh, the DX band as well, which would be curious. Oh, I, I imagine it, it would just be the same song over and over and over. Ah, Dan Griffin in the chat. Three live crew. Three live crew. So a bit see, of wrong killings. Uh, see, that's a great show as well, isn't it? You know? And Double J and the Road Dog would also... See, I'd be about that because that song that they did, uh, Baby Tonight, wasn't it? It was called... It's working hard oh, on the no, goal. Let's go. <laughs> Fantastic. Poor Road Dog, he's doing two two spots because he's part of three live crew as well with, with Ron Killings. Double duty, mate. Corey Taylor yeah. does it on some festivals. You know? And, and Dan said actually it should have been three LK because it's three live crew. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I still wouldn't have got it. But um <laughs> Uh, you shooting with my baby tonight festival would be the name. That's great. I love that. Great pick. Thank you so much, sir. That is awesome. <laughs> and thank my... you for playing the game as well uh, with uh, with the wrestling based um, bands and music. Yes, exactly. Uh, Sharon via WhatsApp, she says here the opener would be the Backstreet Boys just to get the crowd dancing.
this would be followed by Jared Leto acoustic set. Then take that with 30 Seconds to Mars closing the show. It would be called Sharon's Happy Place. <laughs> uh, how I, I was literally going to say, I bet 30 Seconds to Mars as the headliners. No, take that though, mate. Take that would be headliner. Oh no, 30 Seconds to Mars closing. You're right. Yeah, I literally just read that out. Why don't I remember that? Because you are an idiot. Naughty, naughty. Yeah, okay, fair enough. She also <laughs> sent me a glorious picture there. I don't know if anyone can make it out if I sh- hold it up to the camera. I will retweet it of a whoop, kangaroo mosh pit, if I can get that to work. There we go. That's awesome. That's great. And very patriotic <laughs> kangaroo there in the background as well. Yeah, works brilliantly on the audio version, obviously. Magsy, what about yourself, my friend? Yeah, I had a, I had a little uh, go at this, so... Um, I've gone with um, calling my um, festival Mags in the Park. Nice. Uh, I would have an opener of Damon Albarn. Okay. Day acts would be uh, Rocket Juice and the Moon and The Good, The Bad and The Queen. The what? The Rocket Juice and the Moon. Okay. And then The Good, The Bad and The Queen. I don't think I know them at all. Okay. Well, we'll just skirt past that. Okay. Uh, special guests <laughs> Special guests would be gorillas, and the headliner would be Blur. So these are all Damon Albarn bands. Okay. Ah, uh, okay. See, I didn't pick up on that. I knew gorillas was Damon Albarn's band. Yeah, well, obviously- uh, the the good, the bad, and queen, and, and Rocky Juicer is kind of like very part time gigs. Um, oh. But that that was only a mess about. I actually did a, a proper one, okay. which I've which I've called Maxtonbury. Nice. <laughs> um, now for my opener, I thought you need um, you need a band with a lot of radio friendly songs songs that you can kind of like get the crowd singing along and and like just start the show as you mean to go on so i've gone with kaiser chiefs right because we've got a lot of uh very catchy uh radio friendly tracks then i've gone with um shed seven again similar because they've had a lot of big hits and then i've gone for radiohead um i had to strong arm them in somewhere because you're just such an innovative, talented band. It's just unreal. Um, special guests, I went with the Chili Peppers, kind of like my Welsh brethren, Mr. Tolly. And then headliner, again, like Tolly, Oasis. There isn't a bigger band in in my um, in my musical sphere than than Oasis. So yeah, that would be my that would be my festival. Oh, see, and that would that would get my money. I mean, mainly for Oasis. I'm not gonna lie, but the other bands would be a big bonus for me. Even though I'm not massively into the chilies or whatever, I imagine live I'd enjoy it. So yeah, 
Thank you very much. Yeah, get so my money, I'll, mate. Get my money. I'll send you the two hundred quid uh, invoice then. <laughs> yeah, great. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine. My festival is very old school, classic rock based, as everyone mm. could. Imagine. No, I don't believe yes. that. I thought you would have gone with like K-pop. Yeah, well, opera. it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. Pavarotti is no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's entitled uh, SJP Rock Rager, and the list goes like this. I would have so, something a bit modern, actually, Maxie. Something a bit modern opening. I'd have those. Damn Barry Windham. Barry Windham. Yeah, Barry Windham just singing. <laughs> The, the West, West Texas, Texas <laughs> rap is crap. Yeah, that would be what would play on the audio system every time the bands were changing over. Just that's <laughs> brilliant. No, the opening band would be those damn crows because they were just freaking superb when I saw them at Stone Dead, and I can't wait to see them live again. They were that good. Uh, I have tried to kind of keep it. In, in the sort of stature based, I suppose, where I'm naming bands in the positions they're in. So you'll be surprised to know that there is no Iron Maiden because I just couldn't fit them in. But uh, there is what? Saxon. Yeah, I know. You couldn't fit in Iron Maiden in a, no. in a fantasy yeah. a fantasy festival where money no object. <laughs> oh, I, Wait, where I am I going to can't fit these in. Where would I put Iron Maiden? The only place Iron Maiden would realistically play in any festival in the world is to headline. And they're not going to headline because I've got somebody else headlining. So I can't get them in. This was a fantasy, by the way. Yeah, but there were rules to it. (laughs) Okay, fine. Right, those damn crows to open. Uh, Saxon would be next because they're a great festival band. Play some great old school 80s metal. Um, And then Wasp also in the day because I just bloody love Wasp. My special guest slot would be Motorhead because the opportunity to see them again perform, you know, for a good hour and a half would be incredible for me. And my headline act, just edging out Iron Maiden, would be ACDC. because every time I've seen DC they blow my mind for every minute of the show Iron Maiden I've really enjoyed them but there were some shows that weren't quite as good as others even though I have enjoyed them so DC kind of step in but now you're saying I can do what I pretty much want I'd have a two day festival Hardcore Superstar would open i get finally get the chance to see Poison play live because I've never seen that i chuck Ace of Base in there as a special guest and Iron Maiden will headline so <laughs> <laughs> that, that's more out there than Bowling for Soup yeah, and Shake and Stevens will probably get a slot on the show as well. I mean, standard. Mm. He's touring in December, Maxi. I'm Stevens. sure the tickets are still available. The status quo are touring, and for some reason, Shake and Stevens is the support act. 
available at your local working men's club uh, throughout the, the month of December. Yeah, there you go. Ah. Shall we have a quick scan through the chat once more, Magsy, and then talk a little bit of wrestling? Yes, we shall. Um, so we have Connor doing a little bit of singing here. Um, I massively appreciate that, Connor. Um, we had uh, Dan Griffin, uh, uh, sorry, Scottish Danny saying, Mosh Pit with Kangaroos, that's money. And then King's uh, Pig's Bladder saying, only if the Kangaroos wore boxing gloves, which on your picture, they did have boxing gloves. So they did. great man's, great man's think a lot. Um, King's Bladder, uh, King's Pig's Bladder is clearly Armenian, very upset on our affront to Armenian culture said that Armenia was actually the first country to officially adopt Christianity. So there you go. That's what they're famous for. And Weird Al is one of his favourites. He absolutely loves that man. Dan Griffey says the kids who were in School of Rock will all be about 30-year-olds now. Fuck you, Dan Griffey. (laughs) That is a dick move. Jesus Christ. I mean, when that film came out, I didn't have any grey in my beard whatsoever. What what year was that? Like two thousand and early two thousands, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's disgusting. Um, King's Pigs Ladder again saying they reunited a couple of years ago for a gig. That would have been awesome. I know that they're uh, on the at the West End. They have uh, a School of Rock kind of a theatre show, um, but I'm not. I'm not seeing it. Uh, I don't think it'd be right uh, to see that without Jack Black in it. Mm. Anyway, uh, Dan Griffey says he, uh, Weird Al Yankovic chose that name because it sounds a little bit like I'll yank your dick because it would be too <laughs> on the nose if he was a nonce. <laughs> um, and uh, King Plinks by the saying that there's actually a film of his life being made. Uh, Weird oh, okay. Al, so that'll be, that'll be awesome. Oh. Um, Dan Griffey saying I should have called my, um, my first festival All Barn One. Uh, I mean, that's I didn't think of it because I was literally doing it in the 10 minutes before uh, we started recording. So cheers for that. Brilliant. Sharon says, <laughs> my festival sounds like her worst nightmare. And then she was going to lamb blast you for not having any poison on your festival until you, you come up with your, your two day, mm. which, which pleased, please Sharon. I think uh, Charla has had enough of these horrific uh, lineups and she's hopping off uh, and, Sharon says she clearly doesn't want to hear you talk about that terrible, <laughs> terrible wrestling. Um, and Charlie saying, don't expose her to, uh, to your mum. So yeah, that's the chat caught up with now. And now fantastic. for the worst part of the show. <sighs> it's not that. Well, I, I hate this bit because of the match you made me watch. Come on and play the little thing. Let's get into it. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! So I'm a little concerned, mate, that you're gonna you're gonna burst my bubble now because I was so happy this afternoon seeing that this had won the poll and we get to talk about some proper old school wrestling. We talk about loads of loads of modern wrestling. We talk about loads of different types of wrestling and so on. And I thought it'd be, it's going to be great actually being able to dive into a bit of history. And talk about the, the old territory days and, and stuff like that. And I was gen you asked Sharon, I was genuinely excited and I spent you know all afternoon watching stuff back and all sorts of shit. And you're not gonna come along and just burst my bubble, aren't you? 
I'll, I mean, I'll try and be as positive as I as I can be. No promises, but I'll try and be positive. Okay, interesting, interesting. I think we're going to differ quite highly on this, quite dramatically with our ratings and so on, just by the expression on your face right now. But let's we'll get see. into it. The winner of this week's poll, quite narrowly, quite narrowly to be fair, was the three versus three bad street match was the name of it basically uh, anything goes street fight between the von eric brothers and the fabulous freebirds from world-class championship wrestling in texas uh the match actually happened on the 4th of july 1984 but it was broadcast on world-class television on the 28th of july was the link you mm-hmm. sent me magsy wasn't it to, yeah. to the show there so yeah for so for context uh sir uh was crowing this morning that he'd won a poll and he uh whatsapp me the link to a video that that was genuinely recorded on a potato. It reminded me of of footage from the Blair Witch Project in that it was shaky, it was pixelated, and I was watching it on a on a, a 4K TV and it was it was like watching a Pablo Picasso painting. Just just <laughs> colour everywhere but absolutely nonsensical so i was genuinely tempted to to not watch the match at all and say you're on your own on this one sir amazing but but i thought there must be a better link to this on the on the network because i know they've had they've added uh wccw on there finding this match was a fucking pain in the arse because the way the 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 they recorded shows and then they would only show half of the matches uh on one show and then they would have an encore uh on a on a show weeks down the line saying oh yeah this happened like a month ago um it was such uh such an awkward way to to find this match because i wasn't going to sit through watching it like a child had colored out of the lands so I had to go through <laughs> 1984, click on almost every single link of WCCW on the network, read the description, check the matches to, to find it. And I was getting to the end of my tether when I clicked on the 28th of July one and it was there. So, yeah, fate made me watch this fucking horrific match. So I started quite happy and positive about it clearly because it made me waste hours and hours of my time to find the fucker um ah uh, okay and now, we're we get the 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 now we're getting no, to the no, bottom of it now we're getting to the bottom no it goes it goes downhill from here it doesn't it doesn't though this is this is exactly what it needed to be you know well, dan griffin in the chat there what's he said there <laughs> Max sounds like he'd rather received a video of Sar taking a shit from the pan's point of view than watch this match. <laughs> I would rather be front row for Sar taking a shit than watch this match <laughs> ever again. Oh, and this is I why we love the chain, the pure dedication. I can't believe you, because this to me is the way the way this match should should be done. It's it's a street fight. It's a brawl, and yeah, that's I exactly mean, what this was. Do you know what was fun? Going through all them uh, months and months worth of uh, of 
episodes of WCCW to find so many different iterations of the Von Erichs versus the Freebirds. I mm-hmm. mean, they must have been on every single show for about 18 months, which is well, fun. Shall we start at the beginning, Magsy? No, we shan't. Let's get to this match. Get it done, <laughs> and then we can pick next week's topic. Now, I think we need to understand <laughs> a little bit about the history of the Three Birds and the Von Eriks. Now, well, I'm going to go and take a shit. <laughs> with a camera in the pan. Take the webcam with me. In, I think it was October of 1982, the Three Birds arrived in World Class in Texas. So it was now, two years nearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they arrived as effectively they arrived and got cheered because that they were uh, charismatic, especially Michael Hayes, very charismatic, and he was the, the women all liked Michael Hayes back in the day as well. Before he sort of put on the extra timber as we went into the nineties, I think he danced like a cunt. To be fair, <laughs> oh my god, you're probably not wrong, but there we go. Um, the three birds were cheered initially; they were loved by world class fans in texas and, and these fans in texas were hugely hugely passionate as well the and world class- old and incredibly old because well, yeah there the was front, a- the front rows were it was like the the local care home had gone on an outing um it was just very old people with incredibly thick glasses yeah, yes just- and lots of well the von eric boys were they were like the the, the, the pinups in Texas. The, the the young girls adored them as well. So the crowd was very much full of lots of young girls as well who just loved the Von Erics. Now when the Von when the Freebirds arrived, they they sided with the Von Erics for a long time, and they would assist the Von Erics in winning championships. And I mean, there's lots and lots of championships around this time. World class had its own titles. You also had other territory titles that would sometimes come into the Texas territory, and you also obviously had the NWA championships, which would be defended around the different territories. And world class was one of the bigger ones at this time. Now, by December of '82. We had Kerry Von Erich, who went on to obviously be Texas Tornado, challenging the NWA world champion at that point, Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. The horseman, well, not the horseman, but people would be involved to help Flair escape with a championship. Other people would interfere in matches. Uh, Flair would sometimes just take the belt and leave. So Von Erich would you know, win via count out, but as we all know, doesn't win the championship via count out. So Christmas Day, 1982, it was decided we're going to have a steel cage match. Ric Flair's exhausted all of his, I suppose, get out of jail free cards, all of his heel tactics to cheat his way out with his championship. So it's going to be put in a steel cage. And as well as the referee in the ring, we're also going to have Michael Hayes, good friend of the Von Eriks, in the ring as well to act as an additional referee because there were occasions when Flair would knock the referee out to get disqualified. So we'd have Hayes there as an additional official. And also Terry Gordy from the Freebirds would be on the outside to stop any outside interference. Christmas Day at the Sportatorium in Texas, Von Eric versus Flair. It was seen as being potentially the, the biggest main event this this territory had seen. There was over 20,000 people in the arena on Christmas night, Maxie. That's insane, isn't it? You know, and it's, it's finally being seen as the time when Kerry Von Eric was going to be crowned the world champion, the hometown boy. Now, Things didn't quite go according to plan. We ended up with Michael Hayes having a bit of a pushing match with Von Eric. Eventually, Hayes floored Ric Flair and tried to get Von Eric to cover Flair to win the title. And half the crowd wanted Flair uh, wanted Von Eric to do this as well, by the way. 
However, Von Eric, being the ultimate babyface, didn't want to take advantage of Hayes effectively helping him out, giving him a shortcut. We had the falling out. And then as uh, Kerry Von Eric leant through the ropes to try and through the cage door to try and speak to Hayes when he stormed out, Bam Bam Gordy smashed him in the mush with the door of the cage, solidifying the heel turn of the Fabulous Freebirds. That then ran from late 82 right the way through to 84. And then they tried it again in 86. In it, and the heat that these two teams drew for over two years was insane. And the money they drew to this territory and the TV ratings as well. There was times in 1984 when we're looking at when the, the feud was kind of coming to its peak. There were times in 1984 when the te- world-class Texas TV show was actually getting higher TV ratings than the WWF's own programming in places like New York, despite being wow. a Texas TV show. It, it's incredible how how much the fans loved the Von Erics and by you know by proxy despised the Freebirds. And we had so many different uh, different people involved. People would side with the Freebirds. People would side with the Von Erics. But it always boiled back down to the three from Georgia against the three from Texas battling it out the seven states not liking each other and just the good old boys of texas versus these three imposters coming in and they were i mean hayes especially was so good at getting heel heat it was nuclear white heat whenever they get to the point in a feud when they would square off in a big big match and that brings us to this contest the world-class six-man tag titles are held up this is three versus three six-man match at the time, I think you didn't get belts. It was actually a trophy you held as the six man. It was a change to belts, I think, in maybe 85. I think they changed the championship title belts as opposed to having a big trophy. But okay. that's that's kind of the background. Two years build going into another Three Birds Von Eric match. And you can tell by the crowd that they are rabid and desperate to see the Three Birds get their asses kicked here, I think, Magsy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think. The the commentary said there was fifteen thousand people uh, in the arena, and yeah, it was a very partisan crowd. Very, um, very much wanted the Von Erics to win. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, the Freebirds come out first. Obviously, they're the heels, and they come out to Bad Street USA, which is to me one of the best wrestling entrance themes going because it is just so obnoxious that they're singing their own theme, and it's the way it is. Um, also. Again, historically, how important the free free birds are. The first act in wrestling to come out to to rock and roll music as an entrance Mm -hmm. theme. Others had come out to music previously, but nobody had incorporated any form of rock music into their entrance theme before the free birds did it. So again, this is coming up to rock and wrestling and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, on one of the the episodes leading into this, uh, the episode that this was shown on, it was actually the debut of their their music video for Bad Street. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah yeah that's well that's worth checking out as well just for the comedy really it's funny it's funny because it's bad <laughs> check it out <laughs> michael hayes here is just so so obnoxious so up yeah. his own backside strutting and flicking his hair and they're all coming out wearing jeans and a free birds t-shirt and matching t-shirts yeah which i enjoyed because they're, they're a team and it's going to be a street fight it's going to be a brawl it's not a wrestling contest and the crowd they despise them and they're they're getting shit thrown at them and all sorts and and the crowd at this stage are already white hot and then 
the ZZ Top track that plays the Von Erics to the Ring starts and the crowd pop like mad. They are massively, the screams are intense just for those opening couple of bars from ZZ Top playing them down to the ring. And then obviously they make their entrance. We don't see that on camera, but you can tell when it is because there's another pop. It's huge. And the enthusiasm for the Von Erics here cannot be understated. This is, this is prime Hulkamania but in Texas for this one yeah. particular family. But they're, they're, they're so invested in the Von Erics, Max, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And uh, you, you, even um, even with not seeing the, the, the entrance on the, the video on the network, you can see just how loved the um, the Von Erics are, especially Kerry. I think he's the one who comes down uh, in just jeans because the, mm. the rest of the team are uh, jeans and T-shirt. Uh, and these this crowd are absolutely falling all over um, Kerry and, and the rest of the Von Erics. But then as soon as they hit the ring, um, the, the the referee and the the, uh, the the ring announcer have to make a swift exit because <laughs> it's, it's fucking on. They are, yeah. they are just bang at it straight away. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's quite funny as well because the ring announcer tries to make the announcements as the match has already started. Yeah, the match has already started, <laughs> and, and he's trying to like tell everyone the rules, and it, it's already gone off script straight yeah. away. It's and again, this is why I I like this because it's not it's not a street fight, and then we're seeing backflips or we're seeing all that sort of stuff that we see now. This is two groups who have despised each other for a you know two years or a year and a half at this point sorry and it's a fight and that's exactly what it is it's a fight it's not a wrestling contest it's a fight and that's what happens right from the off it's just a mad brawl straight from the beginning and it just it, it just doesn't slow down for 10 minutes max does it it's the same pace no. the whole way through for me yeah i mean it's a relatively short match um mm. but there is so much um action in this match and it's very little actual wrestling this is yeah. this is like two gangs of 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 lads of of teamed up to to just beat the living piss out of each other i mean it starts with with people taking their belts off and taking their um taking the their cowboy boots off and legitimately just beating the shit out of each other with, with them um and what I did like about it was with with modern day wrestling, when you get to street fights, um, there is always an element of, of it being scripted, things being put in a certain place for a certain spot. And I get that. This had none of that. It just felt like go in and have a street fight. Okay, then. Um, they just beat the living piss out of each other mm. for for ten straight minutes, and you can you can tell that there was no kind of pre planning because there's a lot of spots that you would in a normal match you would say are more like botches where people don't quite know uh, how they're they're meant to be reacting or or uh, people attacking from each other from behind. It's it's very much like a um, a vicious version of a Royal Rumble where it's a lot of punch kicks elbows that kind of thing but with boots and and leather belts yeah yeah and you mentioned the 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 whipping and so on early on it's Buddy Roberts from the Freebirds somehow ends up in the ring with 
at least two of the Von Eriks, maybe all of them. And, and they all just the clothesline spot with the with the belt right across the throat. Yeah, and then they just beat the piss out of him whilst he's on the floor with yeah. these belts. Just whip the crap out of him. Uh, yeah. Kerry Von Erich is throwing punches that can be described just. I suppose the 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 least you can describe them as is quite stiff. He is walloping Terry Gordy at one stage. Mm-hmm. He is proper drilling this guy in the head. It's absolute chaos, absolute pandemonium. But again, to me this is how a street fight should be done. It shouldn't yeah. be about moonsaults and wrestling holds and all this sort of stuff. It's, it's two gangs. I mean, the Freebirds were a gang. That was the whole point. It's two gangs that hate each other wanting to kill each other. And it's the, the way the Von Erics run to the ring. Don't wait for the introductions and it all kicks off and it's just bedlam all around. And it's a fight. And that to me is, is why it's so good at what it does at this point in their feud. Yeah, and and we've mentioned this um, this on on the show multiple times. Um, matches like this, like genuine blood feuds or or blow off matches, they shouldn't go to a set script because these people should be wanting to beat the living shit out of each other. Um, and this is exactly what we got with 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 this match. Uh, just violence absolute violence uh where people were just whooping the living piss out of each other um there was there is still some some uh good spots in the in 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 the match i mean you are talking about six incredibly talented wrestlers at the end of the day um there's a a triple drop kick spot which i thought was was pretty cool i think terry gordy takes that it didn't Um, look out of place though magazine that's the thing for me as wild as this brawl was the guy went into the ropes, come back, and you're expecting him to get punched. And all, all of a sudden, these drop kicks came out of nowhere. And even though it was a triple drop kick, in theory, shouldn't fit with everything else they've done. It still didn't look quite out of place for me. And the crowd, again, huge reaction for that. Yeah. Um, and we get a bit of blading as well. Uh, I think Kevin, um, oh no, Michael Hayes, uh, he clearly blades. You can uh-huh. you can see where he's tossed to the uh, to the ringside, and then to almost to outdo him, uh, Kev, uh, Kevin Von Eric. You literally see the blade on the floor right next to him as he then suddenly starts uh, pouring blood all over his face. But this is a match that it needed that blood because uh, yeah. it was a, an angry, hateful um, feud between the between the two groups. So. Um, I wasn't particularly bothered about the blading because I felt it did need it. Yes. Now I watched it. I watched it on the network, but I also watched it on the YouTube link as well, because I think that Jesus, the, the, uh, the network version is clearer. Obviously it's been tidied up and it's filmed better and so on, but you don't get the introductions. And I think the introductions and the music, I mean, you're not going to see, they're not going to pay to have ZZ top on the bloody network. Are they? Let's be honest. But when you watch the YouTube link that's attached on our Twitter and you see how wild the crowd is for the Von Eriks when their music hits and so on, I think it kind of adds to the mood of it just kicking off and starting the way it did. Uh, You mentioned the boots as well. Some of those shots with the boots. I mean, there's one, I think it's where Gordy goes into the ropes, comes back and Kerry hits him with it. And you see the guy's face wobble where he's he's caught him with this boot yeah and uh i think that's the spot where kerry uh 
let the, the boot comes flying out of his hand. Yes. <laughs> he, it, it clobbers Terry, uh, Terry Gordon, um, goes into the crowd and then the crowd throw it back. Kerry catches it and clocks Terry with it yeah. again. But yeah, those that boots, great. Um, those boots came into play a hell of a lot in the match. Uh, multiple times you'll see somebody uh, in a corner just getting wailed on with a mm. with a cowboy boot, and they turn around and someone cowboy boots them in the face. It's just yeah, yeah. It was just disorganized madness. It was just absolute chaos. And then and then you see uh, Terry Gordy and uh, Michael Pierce is with wrestling with essentially with one boot on, which yeah. is just amazing. <laughs> Yeah, in jeans as well, jeans and a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, um, Michael Hayes bleeds, Kevin Von Eric bleeds. I-, I think Kerry at the end is split open as well mm-hmm. at some point. Um, Mike Von Eric ends up tangled up in the ropes. He's got yeah. one leg kind of stuck in the, in the top rope, hasn't he? And Michael Hayes comes over and he's, he's he's stamping on him. And initially, you can see that these are these are working stamps. These are working stomps, for want of a better term. By the time that they cut away from it. He's kicking the shit out of this kid. He's, yeah. he's wait, you know, there's one where he stamps on his arm and then his chest. And I'm thinking, Jesus, man, laying it in. Absolutely yeah. laying it in. Yeah. Hayes absolutely kicks the shit out of him. Um, but I mean, it's not long then after that moment that we kind of come to the, to the actual finish, don't we? It's, it's just absolute chaos and bedlam. And we, on Butcher Nights, there's a few occasions where we're watching street fights or watching multi-man matches. And they have this, this split screen thing that, Danny and I aren't particularly fond of because it's almost like the split screens make it too small. Okay. You kind of feel like there are times when if they had the technology in Texas at this point, a split screen might have been beneficial once every now and not, not a great deal, but once every now and again, because yeah. there was so much going on, you yeah. know, so many things happening. You kind of <laughs> you probably missed some stuff where you're looking at other things, Max. Yeah, uh, and with only having one camera, um, there's some action that, that is happening on one side of the ring, uh, whilst the camera's focusing on 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 another side of the ring. So yeah, there's mm. there's this could have done with maybe some split screen action, but it is the the 1880s, so they probably didn't have <laughs> two cameras back then. Oh yeah, there we go. Um, Kerry Von Eric gets chucked to the outside. Terry Gordy, uh, he, he's he hits. Buddy Roberts by mistake here. The he's supposed to be hitting. I think it was Mike Von Eric, but he moves and he nails his own partner with the boot. Uh, no, Kevin. Sorry, he was supposed to be hitting, wasn't he? Um, Mike then head scissors Roberts to the outside. Yeah, but then Killer Khan comes out of nowhere. Then knocks Kerry Von Eric off the middle rope. Hayes covers him and they win the match and the crowd are very, very pissed off. And that's kind of the end of that for now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, the, I think you're uh, misremembering a little bit there. There's a, another spot where one of the Von Eriks, I don't know which one's which, uh, they do the same thing as the, as the three birds did where one hits the other. Um, Oh then, yes. Yeah. Um, Kerry is, uh, is actually being, He's in the corner, and Michael Hayes is like doing the the attempting the ten count punches. Um, that's when uh, Killer Khan, whoever this this guy is, I've mm-hmm. never seen him before. I mean, he comes in and does kind of like a, a Samoan spark, I think, uh, which mm. uh, which uh, uh, knocks uh, Kerry to the floor, and then we get the the very quick count from. Uh, 
uh, Michael Pierce is, and then they're trying to escape through the through the the crowd, and the crowd are fucking livid. They are yeah. not happy at this whatsoever. It, they struggle to get back to the dressing room at one point, don't they? <laughs> oh yeah. The crowd, the crowd want to rip the three birds apart, mate. Yeah. It it was it was bedlam. It was, and that's what made it so appealing to me. I'm not gonna lie. Um, okay. I'm intrigued now, Magsy. And again, you got to look past the fact that you had to watch something that was filmed on a potato or go through all the nonsense on the network. Uh, what did you think in summary, and what do you give it out of ten? So, if I were to include all the rigmarole of actually getting to the match, this would be very low ranking. <laughs> but despite the fact it's from um the the time of methuselah despite the fact um <laughs> it's it's territory wrestling that I, I totally was not uh, invested in whatsoever and despite the fact that this feud went on for forever in a in a in a time now where a, a feud is finished in two months this is the total over opposite of the end of the spectrum um I enjoyed the the chaos of this match. Yeah, um, it is not pretty to watch. Uh, you're not going to be uh, astounded by any technical prowess, but you will feel the 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 passion and the hatred that these two groups of guys had for each other. Um, and it, it looked like a real fight. So uh, it ticks all the boxes that it that it tried to tick. Um, so for that, I've got to score it relatively highly. Um, it's certainly not the best thing I've ever watched, but I don't regret watching it. Um, so I'm I'm quite happy to give this a seven. Bloody hell. See, the way you've been talking all show, I thought you were going to pan this. See, that's the twist. That's the twist, man. I am. So happy that you didn't. Honestly, again, I said it earlier on the show, but Sharon will confirm in the chat, no doubt, how giddy with excitement I was that I got to talk a little bit of territories wrestling, a little bit of proper old school wrestling. Let's and never so do on. it again. <laughs> uh, also, you know, people who voted for it, thank you so much. It's awesome because whenever I put anything like this up, it doesn't win. So just and, the opportunity after ninety-five from, episodes, <laughs> and from my point of view, fuck you all for that. <laughs> you were all in the bad books with me but there's so much that you can learn the history and so on i mean the free birds uh, the, the, everything like the new day nowadays a hugely popular act everything the new day do you know th- with regards to anyone can defend any two two of the three can defend it and so on it all goes back to the free birds they started all this they were the first three-person group in wrestling. Sharon in the chat there saying, I've that's been really fucking annoying. That's why it's called the free bird rule. Exactly. Enough. Exactly. Just so much, so much they influenced. And you mentioned that this feud went on for, for so, so long because it was drawing money. That's how great this was because it was drawing money. It continued to draw money for years. That's how great this was. Uh, Dan Griffin, uh, I don't recall Terry Gordy played a trombone. Uh, I, I guarantee in at least one of those thousands and thousands of WCCW episodes that I had to peek through, he's had a trombone in there. He's got to have had. <laughs> he's definitely had some pancakes being thrown, and I'm sure I've seen at least one 
portion of booty hauls whilst uh, whilst researching this match. I just think that it's so influential on Man. modern day wrestling, you know. And I also think that don't this over is... the pudding. No, okay, but I, I also think that this <laughs> is <laughs> uh, how a street fight should be done. This is how a street fight yeah, should be done. I agree with me. It shouldn't be, as I said before, moonsaults and sharpshooters. That makes no sense. This is this is how a fight should, And the fact of the matter is it was so chaotic and just absolute bedlam. I enjoyed because it was chaos. It never relented. It was just the same 100 mile an hour pace from the, the opening moments till the, till the final decision. And it helped as well, I think, that the match was only 10 minutes. Because if there was 20 minutes of this, that would have gone on too long. It would have been too much of the same thing. It's 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 done very very well to me. Um, I've actually got seven and a half out of ten written down here, Magsy. I'm I'm amazed you've gone as high as you did. Oh, I'm really glad you enjoyed it as much as you did. That gen- honestly, I'm really happy right now. <laughs> I'll, I'll never watch it again unless it comes up in episode one hundred and we have to recover it. But I'm <laughs> I'm not. I wasn't as disappointed as I thought I would be. Yeah. See, I try not to steer people wrong. That and if even if the matches aren't great, there's history we can pick up from from these territory days. You know, there's always interesting talking points. So there we go. So Magsy, where should we go next week? Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of routes that that I was contemplating, um, but I think the 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 three man gimmick is interesting not something that we've not looked a, a lot at on this show um uh, i i believe that the the free birds are overhyped i think that you uh you give them way too much credit i believe that uh the von erics are a footnote on the on the world of wrestling uh and I believe that there is one team that that sits atop of the the three man uh, mountain, and I also believe in the shield. Sierra Hotel, India, Echo Lima, Delta Shield. Oh, okay. So for my pick. For next week's topic, I want to go to the very last match of the the Shields run uh, as a as a three man team. They uh, the WWE actually did their own uh, network special because of this being the last match of the Shield because of how uh, how they had changed the game in modern day wrestling. So. Uh, on the network, it's actually called the Shield's Final Chapter, uh, and the the main event of that show is the Shield. Obviously, Ambrose, Reigns, and Rollins taking on Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, and Big Daddy Drew McIntyre. Sorry, Corbin, Lashley, and and McIntyre, and McIntyre. Yes. Okay. See, I think I would have seen that when it happened, but I don't remember anything about it. Well. We'll, we'll get to experience it together. Interesting. You probably will, mate. You probably will, because I'm not going to win two polls in the back-to-back, am I? Let's be honest. Uh, Shield's final chapter. That's actually what the show is called on the network, is it? The, the Shield's final chapter, yes. Mm. Okay. And there's some great workers there. I mean, Drew's fantastic. Lashley, I think, especially in these later years, is getting better and better. And all three guys from the Shield are fantastic as well. Corbin, mm-hmm. 
But um, <laughs> I, will, I will have a bad word said about Corbin. He is so good at his role of being the shithead heel. He's so yeah, good true. at it. I did enjoy and, his stuff in NXT and, as well. And his two finishing moves are, are superb. Deep Six mm. and End of Days, quality finishing moves. I miss his old entrance music from NXT, though. That was good. Yeah, let's suppose. Yeah. I like Happy Corbin, though. And Rich Corbin. And... <laughs> Happy Corbin. Comedy gold, mate. Comedy gold. Uh, I am going to go slightly earlier in history. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, I can't go from a territory match. Uh, having just, I, I'm on this huge high. I'm mean, this, this buzz of excitement of being able to finally cover something uh, as interesting as what we just watched without trying it well. So Sa has decided that uh, there's not going to be any pick next week. You get what you're given, and we will be having the Shield versus Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, we appreciate you. Oh, fuck's sake, he's unmuted. Will you stop oh. muting my fucking mic? <laughs> You jackass. Uh, I would like to have a... I think the territory days are so so interesting with how don't different be, companies went out of business and what. Don't pick another territory match. <laughs> I've got it written down now. I can't get, I can't do anything. Well, Dan Griffin in the chat there saying Mag, Mags is picking a free count match. If I could think of a free count match off the top of my head, I could be tempted. But I won't. I won't. Um, I, I, the territories to me, the way that the businesses all went, they went to the wall and McMahon bought them all out. I find that really interesting, like the business, how it works and how the underhanded tactics of McMahon and, and so on. And buying, you know, people's contracts and arenas and TV rights and all that. I, that, that I find fascinating. Uh, some of the last standing territories to go up against McMahon, obviously Jim Crockett promotions stood strong for a while before being bought out by Turner and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but world-class, which we just had a match from, and the AWA were the last two, along with Jim Crockett Promotions. Mm-hmm. Not, not that there were others, but you know there were others. But that um, they were very prominent. AWA at one stage was a massive company. Uh, Dan Griffin there, three count versus Junk. Yeah, see, I've, I reviewed that for for I think it was UTT I was on, and I ain't, I ain't going back to that. Um, <laughs> they they had one last big attempt in 1988, the AWA's first actual foray into pay per view to try and fight off the advancing WWF, I suppose, takeover, whitewash of the country, I guess. And they combined a few different territories that were left to put on a a massive pay-per-view supercard. And one of the main events from that, that show was the unification of the AWA world title with the world title that was held by Kerry Von Erich, recognized as being the old world class, but the name had changed a few times and so on. So there's two territories unifying their world championship to have one world champion to try and build a bigger company to go up against uh, Vince McMahon. Now, if this match wins, it's not just the match I want to look at. It's the history of them trying to battle off McMahon and go into shit and it all goes wrong and so on. Um, It's an absolute bloodbath. The AWA champion at this point is Jerry the King Lawler. And he is facing Kerry Von Erich, as I mentioned, from World Class. Uh, 
before, not long before he joined the WWF himself, Max, I suppose. When did he join WWF? 1990, was it? Something like that? You, you're picking a fucking Jerry Lawler. Yeah, Jerry but it's Jerry Lawler. Lawler. It's Jerry Lawler from 88. And it's oh. it's a it's a good brawl. There is plenty of blood, plenty of action, a crazy odd finish, and the final nail in the territory days, especially for the AWA. This show effectively killed off some of the final resistance to Vince McMahon's expansion. So a lot of history there to discuss. If it potentially wins, which I don't think it will, I won't be that lucky lucky twice. I thank everyone for this week. Look I love at that. You. That was enough. Buttering <laughs> oh, I've never been so lucky. Please, I did. I loved it. I loved it. Do you know, you you talked all about that about the death of uh, the territories, and this was mm-hmm. the the last hurrah. If that match wins, it's the last hurrah of chain wrestling oh. because because if you make me sit through another shitty territory match again. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have another mental breakdown. May I steer your attention to uh, Ted RCD versus Tony Atlas and you not being able to take the higher ground with moaning about pointing out certain matches, okay? <laughs> I don't remember Shaw's week to week. What happened last week does not reflect my viewpoints uh, this week. So there you go. Those are your po- uh, options on this week's poll from the Shield's final chapter show on the WWE Network. We have The Shield, so Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns taking on Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, and Drew McIntyre. Uh, what year would that have been, Maxie? 2019. 2019. On, believe okay. in The Shield. Believe. So, yeah. Mm. The Shield's final chapter, a six-man tag there involving The Shield, Corbin, Lashley, and McIntyre. Or we have the title unification match from Super Clash 3 presented by the AWA and various other uh, promotions as well. Jerry Lawler versus Kerry Von Erich in a crazy bloodbath that has quite a bit of history attached to it as well. So those are your options. The poll will go up towards the end of the week after the audio version has come out. Um, are you wanting me to fist bump you there, Maxi, on the screen? No, I'm just I... believing in the shield. Okay, no it's worries. <laughs> I do like the Shield, to be fair. They were great. They were very, very good. But yeah, those are your options. Uh, Magsy, I've had a lovely time this week. This has been good. Great non-wrestling well, talk. I've hated every second of it, so yin and yang, I suppose. Yeah, this is why this show balances out so well, mate. <laughs> so. <Yeah. laughs> Do you want to let everybody know, my friend, whereabouts they can find you online so you can continue to blank the bastards at will? No, I don't, because they're going to pick a shitty match from back in the dark ages when electricity wasn't even a thing. So, no, don't follow me. It's 1988. It's December 88. It's nearly 89. It was rough. But, yeah, follow me down here on Twitter at PodfatherMags <laughs> or on TikTok at MagsAllPods. Yeah, there we go, mate. There we go. Uh, you can find me. Well, ignore me. You can find the network on Twitter and Facebook at SJP World Media, where you get all the shows involved on the network there. You get the audio version of this. You get Nitro Nights with Scottish Danny. You get the Doctor Who pods coming back very soon for season three with Dan Griffin and I. You have people looking at modern day WWE in Benny Mac within the corner twice a week now that is coming out separate shows reviewing raw and smackdown and covering rumors and other stuff as well and i believe this week's episode has a little cameo from his cat that wouldn't leave him alone whilst he was trying to record so there's something to look forward to uh we have the guys from the states doing regularly scheduled hostilities also reviewing 
the, what's going on in the world of modern day wrestling. NXT look back with Joshua Goodwin. There's so much going on. There is so much going on. Back when uh, the Quantum Leap podcast, the waiting room is back. First episode dropped last Friday. That's had some some great responses as well. So much going on, and even more coming as well. That's at SJP World Media on Twitter and Facebook, and on every podcast player you can imagine. You know all the good ones and some pretty shit ones as well. Dan Griffin in the chat says, CWF, let's keep voting for ter- territory matches. It'll be funny. <laughs> I, I hate you all. Uh, uh, and you can find this show as well, most importantly, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and that TikTok thingamy, at chain underscore wrestling. That's at chain underscore wrestling. Chuck it all a follow. Make sure you subscribe as well to the YouTube channel and all that good stuff, all your podcast players and whatever. And you won't miss an episode when we go live or when a podcast drops. Maxi. I'm off now to fire out the WWE Network and try and find what the oldest territory matches they have on there. Because maybe I can link to that at some stage. I'll see you next week, my friend. Fuck off. <laughs>